Welcome to Game Face episode 138 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Folks, today is Gamescom Day, and this is going to be a Gamescom episode. Uh, we Apologies for not getting the show out on last Friday, but I think this has worked out great mm -hmm. because we have the first two days of Gamescom to talk about right when it's breaking and when it's happening. Um, and we are going to talk about all the big stories from Gamescom in today's episode. So thanks for stopping by on a Tuesday. I know that's out of the ordinary for you guys. Uh, but we appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in. I know y'all got work and everything tomorrow, so thanks a lot for hanging out with us. But Gamescom is going down right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people maybe forgot that it's happening. Like, I saw some stuff online where people were like, wait a minute, Gamescom is happening kinda, right now? It kind of snuck up. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's losing relevance a little bit? I just think if you're not going, you're not thinking about it too much. Also, there's, there's you know... I mean, the, there the numbers as, are sky high. Right. Obviously. Well, there also wasn't as much um, social media chatter from like PR and people. It yeah. seemed like because yeah. like with E three, it's like it's, you know, late April you start getting the kind of the 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 hand ringy like, oh, I'm so busy and I can't possibly do answer all my emails, like you know, tw tweets Please from people. Things on Facebook, it's like, yeah. oh no, you have a full time job and it's horrible that you have to <laughs> you do have to, things. You have in to it. sit there and click a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you start to see that kind of stuff, you know, it's part yeah. of it's kind of part of the hype cycle. To it some is, degree. yeah. And nobody did that with Gamescom. It was no. like I didn't see a single tweet from someone's like, "Oh, I'm so busy making Gamescom appointments today." No, it's like, uh -huh. it's like just, I mean, maybe they weren't in English. I don't know. I saw people that are like saying, "I'm getting on the plane to go to Germany" or and stuff. Yeah, like but that, like but... even those where I'm like, "Oh, I wonder why they're going to Germany." It's like it didn't <laughs> click until like it, you know, because you see people say that when they're going on vacation too. You, just, yeah. you know, but no one said, "I'm going to Gamescom, getting on the plane to Germany." They're just yeah. like, "Oh, getting on the plane to go to Europe." I'm like, yeah. oh, cool. Have fun in Europe. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing in Europe, but cool. Well, the data certainly, you know, says that Gamescom is bigger than ever. Mm -hmm. 350,000 people at last year's show. Nope. Well, yeah, <laughs> nope. <laughs> we, I was uh, grabbing images for uh, the, the banner image for our Gamescom hub, which, by the way, everybody should be using. Uh, you can sift all the content from Gamescom by over 60 different categories, but most of you guys probably know that already. But anyway, I was starting looking at images from Gamescom, and I the whole time I was saying exactly mm -hmm. that. No, nope. five times E three. <laughs> it's insane. You look at like the one hall where everybody comes in, and it is literally a, like a hundred yards wide, and just so far that it just goes to a point, like one <laughs> pixel that represents like eight thousand people's heads or whatever. It's insane how big it is. Uh, Gamescom does do the thing where the press gets in the first like day, day and a half. Mm -hmm. And then the general public comes in after that. So it does kind of help you get your coverage done. And there was a ton of coverage breaking. If you haven't been on Sifted today, uh, as soon as this show is over, go check it out. There is tons and tons of huge stuff. Of course, we're going to talk about a lot of it right now. We're going to save you hours and hours of sorting through and sifting through Gamescom content right here on Game Face. And we have all the biggest headlines, all the biggest games. We're going to talk about every single one of them much to Sam's chagrin. He's going to be a busy guy over there on the TriCaster today. So let's get started. In my opinion, well, we put out a, a top 10 this week, or this weekend anyway, is the 10 most important games of Gamescom. It mm -hmm. wasn't most anticipated or the biggest games. It was the most important ones. And I took a different angle with our Sifted Countdown because after E3, it's, everyone could have guessed what the most anticipated games of Gamescom are. So I chose games that had the most to win or lose at Gamescom for that mm -hmm. list. 
I mean, it was a good primer for people who are getting ready for Gamescom coverage. But the number one game on that list, spoiler, is Devil May Cry 5. Because the series has been away for a long time. The last one was good, but not amazing. And uh, obviously, the last game was polarizing with fans because it was created by a Western studio. And it, you know, we know the story about DMC. So this is the game back in the hands of the fathers of the DMC franchise. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's not forget, also gave us two. Right. <laughs> like, you're right. It's not a guarantee of anything. No, you're absolutely right. They, they gave us Because I like DMC. DMC. Sorry. I did too, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I get why people think that the character design is, is douchey, but like, that was a good game. It was, yeah. yeah. Well, well crafted and uh, people have problems getting over their hangups yeah. over characters. It's better, it's better than four. Uh, yeah, sure. absolutely. It was. I mean, I don't think I don't think anything's ever going to top three. Three is probably the best character action game ever made. Yeah, um, that was kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't see that. That was like the perfect balance of like action and awesome and like super skill based. Like you got to be good at this or it's going to eat you alive kind of thing. Like yeah. that was like, exactly where it needed to be. Um, Devil May Cry Four um, could have been good. Could have. But it's like it was only a third of a game. Mm -hmm. And they made you play that same third of a game twice. Right, and I will, I will never, I'm never cool with the whole like the game. The first half of the game is getting me this point, and then the second half is going back no. down the path That's to where you started. That's so cheap. That was a cop out in Soul Reaver Two. It was a cop yeah. out in Halo One. It was. It's just not a cool way to do things. Hopefully, that doesn't happen in this one. I would think it really feels like they're learning their lesson here, um, and it looks also like they're making Nero his own character finally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, like, you know, the more casual fans will still probably say, like, oh, why Dante cut his hair? But um, until Dante shows up right. with his <laughs> disgusting old man face. Um, but, like, it looks, from, from the trailer and, and the footage they're showing, like, he's developed his own style. He's not just, like, kind of a Dante light yeah. now. So that's good to see. And it looks like there's a lot of weight behind what he's doing and, like, well, maybe the, the Capcom hits. finally realized that a lot of people were confused. It's like you have maybe. two, you have two like grungy dudes with like white hair. Like, what do you expect people to think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just encouraged by the fact that it looks like the combat has weight and meat to it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, like the lesser games in this series, kind of have a problem where like it feels like you're just hacking away at a thing and it's not doing anything. Yeah. Um, three definitely doesn't have that problem, which is one of the reasons it's so good. Everything feels it feel you feel powerful without feeling overpowered. And hopefully that's the balance they're trying to strike here because it feels like, well, if you know, just from like the, the the visuals and the kind of the the clips they're showing in the new trailer, it feels like you have to you have to be on top of what's happening. But if you know what you're what, what you're doing and which moves you can use, like you can do some pretty awesome stuff. So I, even as someone who has been pretty much checked out of the Devil May Cry series since three, um, this this looks promising enough to sort of bring me back into the anticipation fold at the very least. Well, it certainly looks like a Devil May Cry game. Yes. Which is a big deal for fans. However, I think that might also be one of its downfalls because what we've been seeing over the last half decade is old franchises like this getting revived but being changed pretty drastically when they're revived. <laughs> we, like God of War is a good example. Mm -hmm. We had kind of accepted what God of War was. Um, Sony Santa Monica was like, no, wait a minute, we're going to reimagine what you think of when you hear the name God of War and did it with aplomb. But looking at Devil May Cry 5, it could be Devil May Cry 3, I guess, is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. When you, if you look at a quick snippet of it, there's nothing 
or not much anyway, that is immediately apparent that would make you say, oh no, this isn't one of the old Devil May Cry games. Yeah, well, so, I mean... I Linear think... progression, not an open world. Yeah, well, I think uh, part of the, the advantage it has is that it doesn't look quite as... Um blatantly weirdo Japanese anime yeah. thing as, as the previous ones did. Um, I feel like this will appeal to sort of to your mainstream casual Western gamer as much as someone who already is into Devil May Cry, so I think that's what they're banking on. Um, I, I don't mean, think this will ever be a game for the mainstream, though. No, but because I... Because this, too, is challenging. I think it could be... Yeah, but so was God of War, um, if you played it a certain way. And I, I, think it's, I think it's there. I think it's possible. You know, they're hoping, obviously, I think, for another Monster Hunter World-style breakout hit. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, not, not impossible. Like, something that's well-made and has some slick style to it uh, can definitely um, be a breakout hit uh, outside of Japan at this point. I mean, I think Monster Hunter World proves that because I don't think Monster Hunter World plays very well. Um, I don't think it, it, you know, it's probably the best Monster Hunter, but I don't think it's uh, a particularly great game on its own terms. But yeah, the controls about, in that franchise have never really felt responsive. But something about it, you know, finally resonated, and Western audiences bought it by the millions. Yeah, to like the 10 tens million of sold. millions, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm not saying it will happen, but I think uh, there's nothing to me that to suggest that this game couldn't do the same if you know if the stars were right, however you want to put it. I mean, it I is a very, it is a very, it is a very crowded Q Q one that is coming out at the in the yeah. So by now. the way, it's coming out March eighth, yeah, which so we hadn't mentioned. So there's a lot of stuff going to be on the shelf competing for attention around that time. But you know, I, I think it'll do fine. I'm sure their expectations are you know in check for what it needs. You know, certainly Monster Hunter World outdid Capcom's expectations by tremendous amounts. Like, and they've said so. Um, so I, th I think uh, I think you've got a guaranteed uh, sort of set amount of copies to sell on this game, and I think they'll hit that. It looks like a quality entry, unless something unless it comes out and something's horribly horribly wrong. Like that could right. that could be, but like it doesn't doesn't look like that. Cap Capcom doesn't strike me as that. Capcom kind of... doesn't really release broken games. You may not like them very much, but yeah. they're generally not broken. Yeah, like I don't you know I don't. I don't like Monster Hunter World all that much, but like I'm not going to call it a bad game or a broken game. Right, it's just right. Not, it's not my game. Um, I mean, I, th I think this is, you know, at the very least, if this doesn't sell, they can at least say we gave it our best shot, and you know, no one can really complain that there's no more Devil May Cry games after this because look, this is about as good as this is going to get. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I, I agree with that. Like, I don't. That's what I was getting at. Is I don't know that they have given it their best shot. I feel like. They've created a game that all the fans have been asking for instead of creating a game that maybe pushes the envelope a little bit for the franchise. Well, we don't know everything about it yet. Yeah. I mean, well, between the gameplay, there's been like 20 minutes of gameplay that's been released or the 20-minute mm -hmm. demo. And that's, again, that's on Sifted right now if you want to watch the whole thing. And then they put out a trailer today that was a lot more wide-reaching than the demo. Um, it appears that Nero is the lead character. Do you think people will care? Yeah. I'm sure you can play as Dante. You can, later like or in the trailer, they show him actually. Yeah. You, Have you seen it? What he does? Well, I saw like, his motorcycle becomes like his swords weapons. or something. Yeah, like, his yeah. motorcycle splits in half, and then he has one half on one arm and the other half on the other arm, and then he starts attacking with the motorcycle. That's very Devil May Cry. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think just making a really good Devil May Cry is all they need to do. Not everything needs to be an open world action RPG. 
Um, although I'm sure there will be elements in here somewhere of certain of stuff like that, but like I don't, I don't, I don't think it needs to be that. Um, it's fine. I don't know. It just feels to me like the developers. It, the game looks great. Don't get me wrong, and I'm gonna probably love it and play the living crap out of it. But it does seem to me that maybe the developers took the easy route. And uh, I don't think there was anything easy about this. I mean, the design is there, the, the visuals are there, the combat system's there. Like, that's not an easy thing to easy do. Easier route, I guess. I, just, I don't agree with that. Path of least, least resistance. Path of what the people who like this series want. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think everything needs to be reinvented into The Witcher 3. Oh, I think it depends on your expectations for sales. I mean, if they're okay with this selling a couple million copies, sure. If they think... want it to hit Monster Hunter numbers, I don't think it'll do that in this state. Well, I don't think that's why Monster Hunter sold like that. I think Monster Hunter sold like that because of the multiplayer like social aspect, which is not part of Devil May Cry. So I certainly don't want to co-op Devil May Cry. I'm not interested. That's not how this stuff works. So Yeah, I'm not interested in that either. I just think the design feels antiquated and old. I mean, it's the same design that the first DMC had, essentially. Yeah, that's what Nintendo keeps saying about Metroid, but they're wrong, too. <laughs> but to me, the game looks awesome. I'm excited for it. Uh, I've always loved the combat in Devil May Cry. Even in Devil May Cry 2, the combat got me through the game, ultimately. I guess I am a little surprised that they didn't go a little more Dark Souls. Yeah, but, that could have been another angle. Um, Seeing this fight on this bridge is what reminded me of it, yeah. too. But, like, I, you know, maybe they did. Who knows? Maybe I mean, these know. games are hard. Yeah. They're not easy games. You cannot, like, you can, you can hack and slash and button mash your way through the first few hours of a DMC game, but eventually it gets to the point where... Learn. You have to learn. You have to learn how to use the combat yeah. system. You have to learn how to pull off combos. You have to learn how to use your guns. Some of the some of the stuff you really had to learn in three to to you know survive well was you know one and two frames. Like yeah, it was, it was like learning a, a, a fighting game, a very precise fighting game. And um, I don't know if they'll get that nitty gritty on this one, but like certainly four moved away from that to some degree. But uh, and there's always there's always the thing the, the balance that Devil May Cry has had where it's like there's one thing to be good enough to finish the game it's another thing to be good enough to get like S ranks yeah, on everything yeah. like there's always and this game has that like that extra level of, of mastery basically yeah and, and now that you mentioned that actually it makes me wonder how they would do something like that with an open world game it might mm -hmm. be a little more challenging and that is a big part of Devil May Cry um, I mean you basically have to rate each fight. Yeah. Somehow, and, which that uh, would just I, get annoying. After I feel like a while. I feel like I did play like an open worldy kind of game that did that at one point, but I can't remember what it was now. So um, maybe that's one of the reasons why they decided to keep the old design is to keep sort of that aesthetic yeah. from the franchise in, I intact. I mean, you, you mess with that too much, and it's not Devil May Cry anymore. No, you're right. Um, but you know what? If someone would have told me seven years ago what they're going to do with the new God of War, I would have said that's not God of War. Yeah. So as long as you do it well, people are willing to accept change. It's whenever you try to change something and it sucks, that's when people freak out. Yeah, but they already did that with Devil May Cry. No, you're right. DMC. This, <laughs> yeah. I Except that, that game didn't suck. It didn't suck, but it also didn't sell. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons of DMC is do not alienate the core fan base. You yeah. Got, you got to please the core fan base and hope that you appeal beyond them. Yeah. But alienating them in the hopes of reeling in people that never played this before is always a losing proposition. The other thing I would say, too, is this is probably the closest thing I'm going to get to a new Ninja Gaiden for a while. That's also true. Um, yeah. this or a new game, Bayonetta. No, you're right. Yeah. And it gives me vibes from both of those games. And uh, that's one of the big reasons why I'm all on board mm -hmm. for this. So... It's funny how like there's always one of these games 
out there. Yep. At any given, they're never all at once. Nope. But they sort of. <laughs> Ninja Gaiden goes away, and Devil May Cry comes back. Devil May Cry goes away, and Bayonetta comes back, and then De Bayonetta goes quiet, and this comes back, and as soon as this dies down, Bayonetta three will be here. Yeah. It's like it's there's always like one big character action game sort of waiting in the wings. Um, maybe that's why you know. Maybe that's kind of why these things maybe still sell as well as they do is it because could be. because that that audience is only served every once in a while. And they are. It, and these games are kind of an acquired taste. Like oh, you yeah. can't just like mash buttons and make your way through them, and that will frustrate a lot of casual players. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, maybe ultimately Capcom's doing the right thing with this game. Looks awesome. Obviously, the visuals are incredible. And yeah, and I think they will design. get a fair number of people that maybe haven't played Devil May Cry before jumping in just because it looks so good. Yeah. Absolutely and some true. of those people will figure it out. Some of those people will get it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it worked for Dark Souls. Yeah. But it, then you think about Dark Souls, it sells a couple million. It sells about three, four million. Yeah. And that's plenty for... Yeah, I'm sure Capcom will be happy yeah. with that for DMC5. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not square. We're good. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Devil May Cry 5 uh, was the top of the sit to countdown for the uh, most important games of Gamescom 2018. And uh, now that I've seen it in action, I think I'm okay with that pick. So... Uh, now we're going to talk about a game called The Dark Pictures, Man of Medan, Medan. I'm not sure how you're supposed yeah, to say know. that. It's Supermassive's brand new game. Um, Supermassive is, is, is it a Sony first party studio now? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Wait. No. Supermassive? Yeah. I don't know. They did Until so. Dawn. I don't think, no, they are not. Owned by Sony, They're as not. far as I know. But its brand new game is, again, The Dark Pictures. It's uh, the first episode of an anthology. So they're setting this up for several games in the series with this first one. Uh, essentially what it's about is you're with a group of friends. They, they, you don't... they sure have a, have a, a groove, don't yeah. they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're with a, a group of friends. You get on a boat and you go out to dive and find this sunken treasure turns out that the it's, i think it's a plane that you're investigating or whatever it's cursed mm -hmm. and so you go into the plane you get cursed you come out and that's kind of what sets all the dominoes in motion for the rest of the game obviously a horror game which that's i think I it's a good just, studio for what, that what it they do makes perfect sense um, I think it's a PS4 exclusive. No, it's on everything. Oh, it is. I, I, well, well, then I that answers so. my question about it being a first-party studio. I haven't been able to commit every single Gamescom thing to memory, and I sure don't particularly care about this. But like, <laughs> I played Until Dawn and uh, Hidden Agenda. That's probably enough. Yeah, uh, they're they're not great. I mean, they're well, they're, they're like narrative-driven. Yeah, but it's like uh, it's like I, I'm sure I'd like them more if I actually missed David Cage's terrible writing. And I, just needed, I needed a horror injection of that every couple of months. Yeah. Like, no, uh, until Dawn was until Dawn was pretty I good. I liked it. I had fun with the it. The setup was pretty good, and then like after like everything sort of is you know once once the killer is not now the characters know what's happening, it just becomes utterly generic nonsense. And then uh, Hidden Agenda was like a cool idea, but then I got my, my girlfriend and you know, I get people together to like play it. And then it's just embarrassing. It's just like, oh, so this is what storytelling is in video games? It's like, uh, no. Oh, you mean like people like, who maybe don't play yeah. games that often? It's, it's, and they're like, oh, this is, this is what games are? It's like, no, it's <laughs> like way better. Like yeah, doing all pretty the time. much, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it's not, a, it's not an exemplar of the medium, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they kind of like, it, because of the nature of how you play it, 
like it's, a, it's a appealing for people that like you know like the Jackbox party pack kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of the things like oh, it's one of those things where you hook your phone in and everybody yeah. plays. Let's do that. Oh my God! Yeah, you know, it was, it was like, <laughs> like it was it was that kind of thing. It was an um, FMV game, right? No, it wasn't. No, it was it was like until dawn. The oh, same okay, thing. I, I mean for some reason it was FMV. No, it was. I mean it's all a lot of it's pre-rendered, but like it's it was it was like until dawn, except you made choices as a group. As a group so. with your mobile phones. Yeah, PlayLink. It was a PlayLink yep. game. Yep. Um, it worked very well technologically. It just wasn't a very good game. Yeah. <laughs> well, ultimately, if it's a story-driven game and the story stinks. Yeah. It was. Just, it was just. It was like playing like a. Like a like a bad like. Like. You remember like when Law and Order was super popular and like there were procedurals everywhere and there was like that those like third tier procedurals that just like <laughs> it was like they hired high school theater actors to do it. Yeah. It was like it was like playing a movie a, a game version of one of those. Oh, it yeah, was just yeah. like it was like, you know, one of those like bargain basement like cop shows that just was trying to ride those coattails. It was sort of like it, it was that level of acting and writing. Well, it may make you feel better to know that Supermassive also announced another game today called Shattered. Shattered State. Uh, they have not released any media or even screenshots of that game yet, so it's obviously a good ways off. But maybe that that will be a game that will appeal mm-hmm. to you a little bit more than, than this one. Maybe. I mean, that just looks to me... I mean, if you showed me footage of that and told me it was a part of Until Dawn that I didn't see, that I didn't get through, I would believe you. Like, no, it, just, yeah. it looks it, like exactly the same for Character everything. models look... Yeah. It's like when you said they get into a groove, I knew what you were talking about. It's yeah. like the character models look Like, exactly I could almost like, believe that, like... They just use the same character models and claim that they're the actors that right, work for right. them. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, these characters are just going to play different characters in all yeah. our games. It's like, that's clever. You know? Yeah. You want to talk about easy way out. I'm wondering, too, if because this is an anthology, if it's like, if it's episodic? That's usually what anthology means. It's like right. A, it's like a Black Mirror kind of thing. Right. So each, that's what I figured. Each installment would be a different story with a similar theme. Right. Yeah. So I guess we don't Which, know. Honestly, you could just, you could kind of say that. Until Dawn and uh, uh, Hidden Agenda are also part of this anthology <laughs> series because, you know, who, who, who's to say? <laughs> it, it, I will say this, though. Um, the Dark Pictures does give me a little bit of an Uncharted vibe because it has, like, this, mm-hmm. like, real-world slash supernatural element to it. Yeah, it, it's, they're definitely drawing from a different like film genre here yeah. like it's more you know it's not just a slasher movie they're kind of trying to do that sort of um x-files the uncharted indiana jones sort of thing but yeah. like um i don't know i don't it's one of it's like the david cage stuff it's like wow i like that idea it's too bad you did it <laughs> it's too bad the execution <laughs> blows <laughs> yeah i'll probably give it a chance when it you know when it's PS Plus or something. Yeah, uh, like I said, I did. Like I did enjoy Until Dawn, but I would never like you know how you could play that game and get different outcomes. Yeah, I finished it. I had no interest in going back and doing that again. I, like, I went back and did a couple. I mean, it, it does change an impressive amount, like in terms of like what, you know what early things can influence other things. Like the, the the branching is impressive in that game, even if the actual presentation is not particularly. Um, so again, it was it's like a David Cage game in the sense that I was just like I'm impressed by the tech and how like deep you went on making the decision trees, you know, really separate from each other in certain places. Um, but that doesn't mean I enjoyed doing it. Right. <laughs> it's like so, which is also true of Detroit. It's like yeah. there's there's places where that those trees go crazy far afield, and I I appreciate and respect that. But uh, doesn't mean you like it. It was it was, it was still terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next up, The Division 2. 
Uh, Ubisoft, obviously, European company. Gamescoms mm-hmm. in Europe. Usually Ubisoft has a big Gamescom, and that's been the case this year already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started sending out their stuff last night at 1 a.m., <laughs> and I had to go back to work and uh, curate a bunch of stuff from Ubisoft in the middle of the night. Uh, but the well, Division... Now you know how all the Europeans watching this show No, you're too. right. You're absolutely right. Um, and The Division 2 is the game that probably Ubisoft focused on the least at Gamescom. No real big reveals or any new features that were announced. Pretty much it just announced that its release date is March 15th. Um, that March month of next year is starting to look really, really crowded. Gotta squeeze everything in before fiscal year ends. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if this gets delayed. Possible. And Possible. does not make that fiscal year. I feel like this, you know, in, in you know, Shades of Watch Dogs 1, I feel like this would be a real strong May release. Yeah. If they can afford to push it out of fiscal. Um... I, I feel like May is like there's going to be a very little competition. It's kind of the thing you could settle in and play during the summer. Like, uh, that might not be a terrible outcome if that ends up being what they have to do. I, I think it would probably do well in March as well. Oh, yeah. Despite yeah. the competition that's but there. I, but, I, you know, I think if it slips past that, that's not a tragedy for it at all. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah. maybe a tragedy for people who desperately want to play it yeah. earlier, but I'm sure there'll be betas. Yeah, obviously. Um I don't know. I think uh, because its release date is when it is, I think that's probably why it was not a big focus at Gamescom mm-hmm. for Ubisoft. It's like, look, we still have plenty of time to yeah. get people's heads around this game before it comes out. It just seems like it focused more on the near-term yeah, stuff. I bet you'll see a blowout of it at the at the Game Awards. Yeah, I don't know if Keeley would take something from a game that has that much media out there already. Maybe. But, I mean, if they want to premiere some new thing. Yeah. Or some, they have a new feature or something like that. New feature, or here's, here's what the limited edition is going to be, or like, yeah. It, it always, with Keeley, it always has to be new news, yeah. obviously. Yeah, it has to be but newsworthy. Absolutely. Yeah, it has to be a premiere of something. Yeah. And I could see them coming up with, like, oh, there's a new thing. Here's, here's what the yeah. Dark Zone's like now, right. or whatever, something, right. something along those lines. Uh, but all we got was the release date in this trailer that you guys are, are watching right now, which, again, didn't really reveal much. Yeah, but I'd say like that or like PSX maybe would be the times to do yeah. that. It's not much in the... I mean, it's like DICE and GDC aren't really... GDC's bumping up against the release date too much, probably. Yeah, I mean, it probably is coming out the week of GDC. Yeah, around there. So that's not going to do it much good. Maybe that final little push over the, the finish line or whatever. GDC isn't really a place for that no, so much. that's not what it's there for. Um, are you more excited for the Division 2 than you were for the Verse Division? No. No? Well, I mean, technically, I mean, I didn't care about the Division 1 at all until I played the beta and was like, oh, this is actually a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And, I, and I did. I played it. I got into it and I bought it and I played it real, for a long, long time. This doesn't look any different than the thing I already played 100 hours of, really, so I'm probably going to mostly pass on this. I am actually more excited for the second one because... I was really excited for the first one, and like you, after I played the beta, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to play this. I had assumed that there would be more to the game than what mm-hmm. we played in the beta, when ultimately there really wasn't. But I think the the concept is sound and engaging and intriguing, and they didn't realize it with the first game. And I have a feeling that Ubisoft is going to fix a lot of stuff that people didn't like about, well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't assume that, because if we look at other Ubisoft franchises... That hasn't always been the case. The second game doesn't always fix all the problems with the first one. Although Assassin's Creed 2 was a pretty drastic improvement. Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. It's an improvement. Yeah. yeah. So 
I'm just assuming that we're gonna get something a little better than the first game. And as much as I complained about the first game, I did enjoy it. I did. I ended yeah, up spending just, like 30 hours with it. So. I just I spent way more than that. I, but like, it's one of those things where like, it was like Fantasy Star Online. I played it so much, and it was the same thing so often that I got kind of sick of it. I got yeah. kind of like. Like, to the point that, like, even looking at footage of this kind of makes me sort of feel gross. Like, <laughs> like I, I was like, oh, God, I've done this so much. It's, it's like it's like when you, like, eat a whole bunch of a thing you like, yeah. and then, like, at a certain point, you just can't even look at that thing for a couple days. And you days. can't eat it again for, yeah. like, a month or whatever. That's yeah. what the division is to me. Okay. It's <laughs> That's like, a good analogy. It's like, I'm not saying I hate chocolate chip cookies, but I ate 20 of them yesterday, and I'm not going to eat another one for a week or so. Yeah. You know? And in this case, it's like... By a week, I mean like a few years, and I mean, I mean, I don't know if people like rave about it to the point that like, oh my god, it's so much better and different than the first one. Then I'll probably give it a shot. But right now, Q1 is so crowded with other stuff that I'm sure I'm going to be busy playing. For instance, Devil May Cry Five, which comes out a week before it. Yeah. Um, I got plenty to do without jumping back into that rabbit hole. Maybe some of these publishers will wise up and avoid the the struggle that we just went through during the summer with no games. Maybe. I mean, some of this is just because stuff has to come out before fiscal yeah, year ends. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. They don't have an option mm-hmm. on that. But yeah, I mean, you could do worse than to put stuff out in, in at least July or August sometimes. Yeah. Like, even, you know, but then, of course, you have, too many people get that idea. You've, you've overcrowded July. And uh, I don't four know. Bi- I think July can sustain four big games. Maybe. I mean, I think you are still under the... You're still under the gun of the of so many people on vacation and some. You know, I, at the very least, I would say you could easily get away with releasing more stuff on the Switch because people can take that with them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I understand kind of. You know, it's not like a movie. A movie takes like two hours, and you can go see a movie wherever you are. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. uh, video games you kind of have to be home. Yep, it's true. Unless you got a Switch. Yep. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Storm Divers. So. Housemark, a studio both you and I love, mm-hmm. have a ton of respect for all its prior work. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they're developers behind Rezogun. Um, every game next, that they make has voxels in it. Next Machina. Next Machina. Um, twi- tons of twin stick shooters. Yeah. Side scrolling shooters. That also used twin stick tech. Um, like what was that? What was that side like Metroidy one they did? Oh, it was not good. That no. was one of Housemark's worst games. I can't remember what it was called, but. But yeah, that was... Was that the last game? House, yeah, it was the last one yeah. that Housemark put out. After Next Machina, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both big fans of the studio. We have been... Matterfall, that's what Matterfall, it was. Matterfall, that's it. Thank you, Vincent. Thanks, Vincent. Um, so Housemark, we're fans of. It's made tons of great games. None of them have sold especially well. Mm-hmm. Uh, about six months ago, I believe, Housemark came out and said, Hey, we're changing our ways. <laughs> we're not going to make these little twin-stick shooter games anymore, yeah, side-scrolling we, shooters. We decided we like money. Yeah, and, and we're going to break out on a new path. They didn't say what that meant at the time, but today we have found out that what it meant was, we're going to make a Battle Royale game. Hmm. And here it is, Storm Divers. Um, not to be confused with Hell Divers. Right. Not to be confused with 20,000 other games that are in the cooker right now getting ready to come to market. Good move? Smart decision, Matt? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it looks okay. Yeah, I mean, it looks there's, better than Radical Heights. Yeah, there's, like, it looks like there's building in it, and so they're taking the Fortnite cues. and It, kind, it actually kind of reminds me of Starhawk. Yeah, like it look, it looks, the look of it. It looks like a PS3 multiplayer shooter to me. It looks like a Starhawk or a 
a, a resistance or a, like yeah, not, not that that's a bad thing like but it, that's what it reminds me of it kind of has that that brown filtered like we're sort of dressed like American gladiators but we're also <laughs> dressed like laser like tag we're play laser tag yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is interesting. I mean, it's, it's an interesting kind of you know futury sci-fi balance, but you know in in art art direction. I mean, that's I guess that's one thing we really haven't had a sci-fi battle royale yet. Yeah. I mean. I mean, Fortnite is I, that considered sci-fi? No. Well, I mean, yeah. Ish. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Ish. It's just this is a less cartoony art right. style. I don't know. Every time like, I see a battle royale game, I try to look at it and say, okay. What's its USP? What's its unique selling proposition? What is it about this game that's going to set it apart and make people actually care? Or more importantly, pull them away from Fortnite or PUBG? Hoverbikes, clearly. Are you seeing anything in no. this game along those lines? No. Me either. I mean, I see something that would make me, oh, I'll try it if it's if free. If it's free, yeah. Like that, and, and how do you make money off that? Because the reason that Fortnite is such a big money maker is not just because it's free. It was because they got that, you know, that critical mass of people. Then, like, out of that huge audience, a certain percentage of them spend money on microtransactions. And that's a ton of money when you have that many millions of people exactly. playing it. You have to have the scale. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, breaking into that is hard, and like, and that's a risk if you're going to try to have your game be free. Like, you might just be instantly bankrupting yourself if Nope doesn't catch on. Uh, That's then, my fear, Matt. But then if you want to sell it, how do you justify that? No one will buy it. Right. How do you convince someone who's playing Fortnite for free to pay money to play your game? You can't. I don't know. I don't... I think that's... That's a strategy that's going to doom you, like, right out of the mm -hmm. gate, I think. I, well, it's just, it's not something... It's also funny because it's, like, it's not something that anybody's had to compete with before. Yeah. You know? Like, even when there were things that dominated a particular subgenre, um, like World of Warcraft or Minecraft, um, they still cost money. You know, it still costs 20 bucks or whatever to get into Minecraft. And it still costs, or 10 bucks in the alpha, I guess it was. Uh, and it still costs, um, you know, monthly subscription to play World of Warcraft. In this case, like, we gave this thing away free and everybody lo loves it. And, that, and how do you drag someone away from it? Like, maybe you have to put craft in the title. <laughs> That's the secret. There are trigger Should words. Should have been Stormcraft. There are trigger words in the yeah. gaming industry, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Certain words that people can slide into a title, and people will know yeah. immediately what kind of a game Whoever's it is. Whoever's making, making a Battle Royale game right now, get craft in that title. That's the secret. I'm yeah. telling you right now. I mean, another analogy to that would be uh, MOBAs with League of Legends. Right. League of Legends is free. It's the leader in the space. Therefore, every MOBA that mm -hmm. has come out afterwards has been free. Mm -hmm. Nobody charges for MOBAs. So... Once you kind of set that precedent, it's really hard. You would have to make something that is so mind-blowing that people are just mm -hmm. like, I, I don't care how much they want me to pay for it, I'll pay for right. it. And Riot's got like, you know, even in that scenario, Riot has such a huge user base that regularly spends, you know, a certain percentage spends the microtransaction money. They don't even need to worry about people that go and play something else because they'll always be back. Yeah. That, that, that investment is there, you know, and that's true of Fortnite as well. This was, to me, this is a really risky move by Housemark. I agree. It feels I, like a make or break thing. I like, feel like it may have not been when they started it. Maybe. Because um, I feel like this, judging by how it looks and kind of where they are here, it feels like maybe they started this before Fortnite became the juggernaut it is. It's pot. I mean, it's... Uh, look, but, now you're, but now you're committed. Like, this now game you're... is not Radical Heights. This no. was not started like no. 30 days Clearly ago. Clearly not. Yeah. 
Um, so that's why I kind of say like maybe maybe when they started this, it did seem like a good idea. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see like the I feel like when you're looking at this, the the building stuff doesn't look like it quite fits, and that feels like maybe it was a bolted on idea later on. It also like, looks more user friendly to me though, and not as complex as Fortnite. Maybe. Which could have an appeal to people because you said yourself that you don't like the building part of Fortnite. No, but and the maybe if you simplify it a little. But bit. I'm clearly in the minority on that. Like yeah. the building part is part of the the high high end yeah, meta game. Like I've seen yeah. like some of those it's videos of guys. They they're do. just they're just building they're just As building they're giant towers it. while because like whoever gets high, like another an extra like ten feet above can then shoot down, down. and yeah. they win. That's the advantage. And like yeah. that's amazing. I'm like yeah. I could never do that. Like I, I mean I I don't have that kind of time. But yeah. like. Do you think Housemark maybe should have taken the approach that Don't Nod has taken? Instead of just trying to cash in on the hot new thing, maybe just expand the genres that you're working on a little bit? Maybe. Like, it would have been a little more interesting if they'd done a Battle Royale voxel game, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or if they'd incorporated some of their old stuff, like a twin-stick shooter or whatever, mm -hmm. into a Battle Royale. Yeah. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> We're out of here. We're going to go make a game right now. <laughs> but I don't know. It seems like a reach, man. It feels to me like Housemark just got desperate, and they're like, hey, yeah. look at this Battle Royale thing. I, I also think that, like, the, the notion that the Battle Royale thing is sort of a dead end is a fairly recent revelation. Yeah, yeah. yeah like well, absolutely. It's just the know, last few months. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, I think maybe E3 finally drove that home with kind of the response to the Fortnite party and... And how it was just like, wow, this is all anyone's... And the fact that, like, most mainstream media coverage of E3 was pretty much Fortnite coverage. It was, yeah. You know? Um, I, th I think that was kind of the moment where everyone realized, like, oh, wow, it really is this big and this defining. The fact that I've been to parties and gatherings this summer that had nothing to do with video games, where I was probably the only person my age who still plays games regularly, and all the people were talking about Fortnite because their kids play it yeah. constantly. Like... There, there was that uh, the song that went up, the parody of uh, yeah. it's gonna, you know, uh, the Black Eyed Peas song. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be a good night. It's called "It's Time to Stop Playing Fortnite," and yeah. it's just like about trying to wean your kids off of Fortnite so they have to go back to school. Like it's it's impacted it's like pop the, culture. It's impacted the culture in a way that I don't think I've seen probably since Minecraft. Yeah, I mean, um, there, it's it's infiltrated sports too. I mean, yeah. I know you don't follow football at all, but like this whole preseason, there's been. Tons of discussion from coaches and general managers in the NFL where they decide how much they think a player is going to be successful or not based upon how much Fortnite they're playing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Wow. They'll be like, well, you know, he's he showed real well in the preseason game, but we're having a problem with him staying up too late playing Fortnite. I mean, it is just, and there's a, I've talked about it before, there's a receiver for the Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a total Fortnite addict. He's now sponsored by... Like he, like a mouse manufacturer mm. and a keyboard manufacturer, and he's doing live streams on YouTube of him playing Fortnite. It has just turned into this. Oh yeah, well that's like, or not. The, like the the infiltration of the NFL is always kind of the sign that like something has no, gone right. fully mainstream. I remember when yeah. they started calling uh, the guy on on uh, in Detroit Megatron. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, is that Megatron? Like the the robot Megatron? absolutely yeah. and like it was like oh okay so and like and that was like around the time i was like oh every single human being i know knows what optimus prime is now yeah, not yeah. just because they grew up with him but because the movies are so big all you know, it's it crossed over into other it, it realms, became a yeah. thing people know and um if fortnite has done that already then 
Do you yeah. see any way, unless like like what Black Ops is doing is smart because they have all this other multiplayer suite and they're mm-hmm. kind of throwing in and Battlefield 5. And they've got a built-in audience that isn't really the same right. They're going to sell no matter yeah. what, no matter how good or bad the Battle Royale mode yeah, is. The Battle Royale mode in that is more of a test bed, it feels. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's not the, they're not betting the whole farm. Exactly. Do you see any way where you can create a standalone Battle Royale game at this point and be successful with it? If I did, I wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's. I I wouldn't want to stake my company on it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. That, that's for sure. Um, and that's exactly. And what's I'm not just right saying here. it because we've already seen that happen right. to at least one person. Yeah. Whose book will be out soon <laughs> for you to find out exactly what went wrong. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie though. I'm gonna read that. That's, yeah. I'm gonna read Cliff's book. I think a lot of people are gonna read Cliff's book, and a lot of a lot of the people who are saying, "Oh, blah, I'm not giving him any money," they're gonna read it. They'll be the ones who try to find it for free on the internet mm-hmm. somewhere, but they're gonna read it. There's just too much potential juicy stuff in Cliff Blazinski's book to not read it. So, yeah. By the way, that's another story from this week. Cliff is writing a memoir, right? About everything, about his days at Epic, and mm. about the whole Bosky thing and all that stuff. So, and the. Uh... Oh, the... Keep an eye on your local bookstore. Do those even exist anymore? Yeah, here and there. <laughs> there aren't there aren't many left. I, I look forward to the uh, the tour. Yeah, I want I want to go see Cliff read do readings from his new book <laughs> at Barnes and Noble over at the Grove, so I can get it signed. <laughs> That's great. So I guess to to close up on uh, Storm Divers. I wish Housemark the best. I have a lot of respect for that studio. I love what it's yeah. always done. I just hope I'm they just have really, a backup plan. I'm really, really nervous about it. I yeah, mean, I... if they were in such financial dire straits that they had to bail, essentially, on their development Bible, a failure, this game failing could be fatal for, for that studio. Yeah, that's my concern. I mean, I don't care one way or the other if a Battle Royale game does well or doesn't because I don't really play them. And if I did, I'd probably just play Fortnite and that'd be it. Yeah. But, like... That's the main thing is I, I, I really hope this is not for all the marbles because I, I think they're going to have to go home if that's the case. Yeah, it very well could be. Yeah. That's the truth. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a studio that we just discussed when talking about Storm Divers, and that is Don't Nod. Don't Nod becoming one of the most prolific game developers in the entire video game industry at this point, mm-hmm. Matt. There is no other studio turning out as many projects as Don't Nod. And now they've got a TV deal. It, it's insane. For the vampire. Vampire's going to have a TV series. But that's an ex- I know. And that's an example, though, of small studio going in a new direction, yeah. but doing it right. But also, I think, you know, and maybe Housemark could have taken a cue from this. Exactly. Um, what have they done? They're exploiting an area that is underserved right now, the single-player story-driven game. You're right. Yeah. Um, no one else is making you know on that level games like what you know there's nothing else like vampire like you know we were comparing it to like mars war, mars warlogs and the technomancer yeah, yeah. which are like c-list you know yeah. eurojank game and yeah there's eurojank there's game, a little eurojank yeah, for sure. vampire for sure but like but <laughs> don't nod stuff is much higher profile yeah yeah and uh you know and they're doing kind of that thing and then they're doing the they're doing sort of telltale telltale's formula but with like modern technology and a and an edgier idea with it's not as beholden to licenses that's the other impressive thing is like telltale got where they are by leveraging very very popular licenses and telling original stories with them don't nod has gotten there by telling original stories period, period. yep um and so i think uh don't nod shows and god of war as well i mean if you want to go crazy triple a but like it shows that like there is an audience for these single player story driven you know games that like 
and not just story-driven games in terms of Telltale stuff, but in terms of like an action RPG like Vampire. There's an audience for that, and you can build a whole company on that if yeah, you if you can. you can if you can deliver every time. And I think they have in general, yeah. Uh, anyway, the game that uh, Don't Nod is showing the new game is called uh, Twin Mirror. It actually was announced a few months ago. They put out like a very vague teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind it's of E3. The f- they showed it. Yeah. yeah, this is the first kind of real look at it. Although even this trailer doesn't show much or give much away. Um, essentially. It, you play as a man with split personalities. There's going to be three episodes, uh, and the first episode comes out in 2019. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're at the point where you're just mostly trying to intrigue people. Yeah. This looks like it's like more of an uh, it looks like more of a life is strange sort of thing than a vampire sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's a narrative driven cool. game. Cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Don't Not at this point gets my benefit of the doubt. Uh, no matter what, um, unless Life is Strange 2 is terrible. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Do you see Don't Nod, though, <clears throat> kind of getting to the same place Telltale is? Where, no? No. Because no. they've already... The, the other thing about Don't Nod is that, you know, you look Not at... Not that being where Telltale is is a bad thing. I mean, No, it's... but, like, I think Telltale has definitely lost some steam in the sense that they, yeah. A, they're still leaning on seven-year-old technology... And it's been creaky for a long time. Yeah. Like, and B, like, they, they kind of tell the same sort of s- stories over and over. I mean, like, you know kind of, you know, it's, it's sort of like you know when you play the Guardians of the Galaxy game and in the first episode uh, they kill Thanos that that's not what's happening and something's going to change that and everything's going to go back to normal by the end. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> right. like it's, it's sort of, it's, you know, all their stuff is sort of like starts here, goes back again, and ends in the same place. And, um, you know, Walking Dead, on the, on the other hand, made a splash because it wasn't that. No, you're right. Yeah. Whereas I think, I think there's a little too much, um, and it depends on, on which game, I guess. And sometimes it's more about the journey, like with The Wolf Among Us. But I think they tend to, to return to the status quo a little too much, and I think that is by the end of each each season. And I think part of the reason that actually part of the main reason that happens is because they're dealing with licenses yeah. that they're beholden to kind of continue. You know, you have to keep propagating it. You know, if you want to do another season of that, then everything has to be back in the place it was so you can exploit the license again. And uh, I think Don't Not is not under any kind of you know delusion that that is the way to go with if you don't have to answer to a licensee so you know, you're not seeing that in life is strange in life is strange too you're not going to be playing as max again life is you know they're doing a completely different thing that's in the quote same universe just like captain spirit right um vampire uh doesn't really let, let eat, end off with like a let's do a sequel kind of thing you know vampire can go some real crazy directions if you decide to play it the way you play it yeah um and I feel like they're not going to rest on their laurels and start telling, you know, stuff by rote or not updating their tech just because that's how Telltale did it. I think Don't Not recognizes Telltale's flaws. And I think you can see that in how Life is Strange plays itself out because Life is Strange in some ways to me is an answer to, to Telltale's formula and a way, a way of saying like, hey, there's, there's another way to do this. And there's a way to do it that, you know, frankly, is a little more thoughtful and a little more thematically consistent. And I appreciate that about what they've done. Yeah, I appreciate it too. But the thing is, is every, everything, anything that feels new now won't feel new seven years later. That's what we're mm-hmm. at. We're at with Telltale. 
Yeah. When we played The Walking Dead, we're like, oh, you know, it's it's a point-and-click adventure game, but it's got this something special, a little different about it. Obviously, it had the branching storylines that were supposed to impact things later on down the line. I'm starting to see kind of that samey feel from Don't Nod stuff. Like How? There's only been one game. Well, no, there's Life is Strange, there's Captain Spirit, now we're seeing this one. Yeah, but like we don't know what that's going to be. And we'll talk about Life is Strange 2 here in a minute. But we don't know anything about them. I mean, if Life is Strange 2 turns out to be that, then okay. But right now there's no trend. It's just Life is Strange. And Captain Spirit, I'm not going to judge anything because it's sort of a one-off free game. Um, I don't expect it to be tremendously ambitious, although I thought it did it was good. have a bunch of moments where I'm just like, I don't want to make this decision. You know? Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> burnt like, out on this at all yet. Don't so get I'm, me wrong. I'm just, I'm trying to extrapolate out seven years. Basically, I'm trying to put us in the position with Don't Nod where we are with Telltale right now. I just don't think you can predict that right now because Don't Nod isn't Telltale, and they've gone to great lengths to show they aren't. I mean, the fa- mere fact that Vampire is what it is yeah. says to me that they're not just going to make the same game over and over again. They might make the same two games over and over. You know, maybe they'll just make action RPGs over and over again, and they'll make Alternating these, between Yeah, the just back and stuff. forth. But, like, I'm not really worried about that with them yet. They're going to have to show me... In the same way that a comp- Telltale would have to prove to me in future games that they are willing to break the mold and do something new and use a new engine, for God's sake... Um, don't nod's going to have to prove to me that they are falling into a rut. Like, I just don't see that from them yet. Do you think the real problem with Telltale, though, is the graphics engine, or is it the design? It's a bit of... I think the design is in some ways constrained by the graphics engine. I, th- I don't think you can do a ton with that engine they haven't already done, even if it's just a simple... I mean, I don't know much about that kind of thing, but it seems to me that certain things in Telltale games never... They never get above a certain scale. They never get above a certain scope. No, you're absolutely right. And it feels like that might just be... Not because the writers can't imagine something larger than a decent-sized ballroom, but because the engine just can't do it. it. You know, or or they don't want... They can't make it work and make it work on all the different platforms it has to work on. Because the other thing is Telltale's... You know, their stuff is on everything. You know, you have to keep that in mind. That you, have, you have to be able to scale it. And it's not even something like, oh, the Switch or whatever might not be able to run this with a good frame rate. Maybe the engine can't be optimized to do that on the Switch. You know, maybe the Switch could do it, but the engine is what it is. It's, or it's, it's like from 2011. Or we sake. can't run this on the iPhone 6. Right, that too. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Telltale stuff goes all the way down to mobile. I mean, to me, it's you're in the same boat as like the, Beth- the Bethesda thing, where it's like, if you keep trotting out this zombified, like... Frankenstein version of Gamebryo, like you're never going to get past, you know, and I think uh, Fallout 4 is the biggest victim of that, where it's like Fallout 4 is struggling against the tech yeah. it has to work with. Mm-hmm. And I think you've seen similar things in, in re- I mean, going back as far as I'd say the first season of Batman with Telltale, I felt like it was pushing against the tech they had to work with. It wanted to tell a bigger, sort of like more dynamic thing, but that's just not what that engine's designed to do or what, what their permutation of it is designed to do. And I, f- I feel like it's being held back at this point. And I, I don't mind how they look graphically. I don't mind the, the art style, the graphical yeah. look. of. I think they look fine. Um, but I would like to see a little more... I don't know. I, 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 it's sort of like how I feel like a lot of... like. What's the, the opposite word of epic? I don't know. Like, <laughs> It's, it's like it's like if you watch like the 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 yeah, the DC movies and they feel like they all took place in someone's living room, you yeah, know, like yeah. even when they expand everything out digitally, yeah, yeah. like it looks like it, it's clearly shot in this little. That's well, how it's shot feel. on a on a green Tiny screen, screen stage, yeah. yeah. But that's how I feel a lot. Of, it's it's just, I feel a similar way about um, Telltale stuff. 
in the last no, few No, you're right. You ne very rarely ever get a shot of like a sweeping vista or... Like an establishing shot, but yeah. like not in the middle of You just of see something. the house. Yeah. And that's like it. Yeah. yeah. You don't see like all the areas surrounding it. Whereas I don't feel that in like, like Life is Strange has all those long shots on the, you yeah. know, on the, on the, on the hill and the well, storm's coming Well, there's all those shots on the shore yeah. where it's pulled like all the way back. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely totally different. Yeah. Because it's more modern. You know, it's like that's, yeah. that's what they need to do. And like, I'm not knocking Telltale's talent there. I'm just saying like... And I'm sure it's partly just like, oh, we got we the iron's hot. We got to keep doing it. We got to tr crank this stuff out for these licensors that are like giving us this stuff. And we got to get you know, it's got to be timely. You know, for God's sake, something like Guardians of the Galaxy. You got to get you got to get the God. Thank God they got it out last year, yeah. not this year. No, you're right. After all the controversy we've right. done. Yep. Um, <laughs> so like. So on one hand, I don't blame them, but on the other hand, it's like I hope they got somebody behind the scenes. I mean, I th I think recently there was a bunch of people that got laid off over there at Telltale, if I remember right. I might be. I might well, be totally I know their wrong. their head PR person who had been there for a long time left. I don't know what the conditions were, whether he was let go or he decided to leave on his own. But he had been there since Telltale started its run back in what was that? 2012, 2010. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just recently left, and he already got a new job at a, a publisher because he was great and he's an awesome guy. But yeah, it was very weird to hear that he was leaving because he loved working there. He would tell you how much he loved working there. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, Telltale hasn't really had a hit for a while now, if you think about it. Like, Batman, I think, did okay. Mm -hmm. but uh, It's it certainly has... not part of the conversation, really, anymore. Nope. No, and a lot of that, I think, is what goes back to what you're saying. It, the, the games look antiquated at this point. Mm -hmm. And the gameplay always kind of was antiquated. And now that you don't have kind of yeah. the technical prowess well, to... Well, it's also like, you know, I liked them, you know, six years ago in the in the wake of Walking Dead more because no one else was doing that. Right. Because uh, yeah. you know, I love all those old point-and-click adventures and stuff like that, and that was a dead genre yeah. for the most part, except like, you know, Dreamfall you know, or The Longest Journey with the Kickstarter, and like, you know, there was always like a, another Siberia threatening to come out for the last 10 years. <laughs> They're all bad, um, typically, a lot yeah, of point and click Yeah, and you know, there was little yeah. things like Gemini Rue or, or stuff, like, you know, stuff like that, uh, Colpeonata, that was a good one. Um, but they're few and far between, and you had to really search them out. And in the wake, uh, around the, you know, in the wake of the success of The Walking Dead, I think a lot of them really sprung up, and like, I love all the Wadjet. Oh, they're like, this is viable again. Yeah, all the Wadjet yeah. Eye stuff, which yeah, I think yeah. all their stuff is great. Yeah. They just had a new one come out, uh, I think called uh, Unawakening, or something. I, yeah, I can't remember what it was They just announced a new one, too. It actually. just came out. It was, uh, it's, or it takes place in the same universe as the Blackwell games, and you play as someone who basically, like, murdered, like, half a city or something while they were possessed by a demon, and now they're not possessed by a demon, but everybody knows you did it, but, like, you have to kind of, It's almost like oh, an God. angel or Buffy thing, where, yeah, like, yeah. They're, she, they're, you're working for, like... You're working for, like, a, a group that's, like, trying to clean up all the demon stuff, but you are the one that caused everything, and so you're <laughs> kind of like... It's a cool idea. Like, yeah. it's, it's, they, get, they get some good... But, like, that's the other thing. It's like, now there's stuff like that. Why would I settle for a telltale thing yeah. when I can play these more, you know, or stuff like Thimbleweed Park or yeah. even something like Night in the Woods. Yeah. Uh, that kind of, you know, that kind of story-driven adventure gamey kind of thing that just didn't exist eight years ago that is now like a big subgenre, and so, you know, kind of this whole, well, this is as good as we got thing that Telltale sort of had for a while 
Because um, there was a period where it was like even the stuff that annoyed you about Telltale was like, well, yeah, but I mean, what else what am else I going to play? play? Yeah. yeah. And now I don't feel like that's true. Yeah, you know, there's well, other stuff to play. So, uh, I mean, if you want kind of more traditional adventure games, those are everywhere now, thanks to the indie scene. And if you want more, you know, more like what Telltale does, but with like more polish and more, frankly, adult storytelling, yeah. Life is Strange is right Better there. Better writing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move along. We have a couple small things we're going to talk about. Um, Halo the Master Chief Collection was announced for Xbox One X today, enhanced for Xbox One X. Hmm? Think they'll fix the servers? Was they've been working on that for months? <laughs> like that's they announced that months and months. I mean, I I remember I brought that up. Uh, yeah, know, they put out a trailer for it today. Oh, well, I mean, they've been test on the test stuff for a long time. They've been they've been tweaking and, and have most of the campaign stuff has been available on the on the whatever, the Xbox Insider thing, like, you've been able to opt into that since, like, June. Um, but they, they, I mean, I've been following this because I've been wanting to replay the Halo games, but I, wanna, I wanted to wait until they did this, and then they announced, like, in, like, December, January that this was coming in July, which it did not. Um, but I, they swear to God it's coming in September or something like that. They also the swear patch. that they fixed the server issues. Well, I'll believe that when I... Well, they, I mean, they're doing it. Right now, you can go opt in and go play. I mean, they seem to be functioning to some degree. I, don't, I haven't been following super closely, but because I care more about the campaigns than the uh, right. than the multiplayer. But the other thing, I mean, the thing is basically they said, uh, and I think, and Frank O'Connor was part of the. You know, I, I trust Frank. Yeah, like he's, you should. Know, he's, he's, he's straight up about yeah. everything, and he straight up said he's like one of the things. You know, fixing this basically required a reworking of the back end of the Xbox OS. Jeez. Like the Xbox One OS, like the big the big overhaul that happened a while ago finally gave them the opening to do that. And so that's why it's happening four years later. And because they didn't want to obey... The, the, uh, 343 is very... is still very upset about it internally. They're like... They, you know, they none of this is far, you know, part of the problem that they, as they see it, is they farmed out a lot of the work on the Master Chief Collection and didn't do it themselves because they were busy with Halo Five, right? And Halo Four. Uh, I don't remember the timing on that, but like, so now they've taken everything in house. This all the patch and everything they're doing here is in house. They're doing it all themselves. Um, no excuses now. No excuses. They're they're, <laughs> they're they're up there right there saying like this is going to work if it kills us basically. So um, I mean, has this work been worth it? From from a, <laughs> I think from a community relationship standpoint, yes. Yeah, I mean, because you, being a new developer on Halo, yeah, you, you have gotta, to do something. You have to throw them a bone. And maybe it would be different if like the reception of four and five were like just universally ecstatic, yeah, but it wasn't. That hasn't and been like the I case, think yeah. I think keeping that level of goodwill up, and going back and making this work again is probably a smart choice because like just like what I said with Devil May Cry Five, you have to keep those core fans happy. And there's a lot of core fans of Halo. Oh, absolutely. And Halo yeah. has felt more and more irrelevant the last several years, certainly this generation. Yeah. And they're about to jump in with sort of this, what looks like it might be almost like a soft reboot kind of thing with Halo Infinite. That's what it looks like. And like, you gotta have those those diehards on board. And one of the ways to kind of win back a little bit of trust from them is to make this big, is to correct this big mistake and give them something to play that they love and give them something to play that doesn't feel like it's a broken mess that they paid for and I think it's pretty cool that they're going to do you know that's yeah. that's uh, you know it's, it shouldn't have happened in the first place some you know I, I totally you know I totally agree with someone who says that like you know this is you know they don't get points for this some people are like they don't get points for this because it shouldn't happen in the first place and I'm like you're not you're not wrong like you're you know, but like I'm excited to play these games in 4k you know for the in you know really and you know it, it, they look great like it's 
it's certainly kind of the definitive version of these games at this point. I, I'm certainly more of a fan of Halo 1, 2, and 3 than the later stuff, So, and yeah. especially ODST, which is in there too. Um, hopefully they get the same treatment, because I know the ODST is not included in the current, like, you know, beta patches, right. but I think it's supposed to be part of the, the final product oh, okay. or whatever. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. If, if it wasn't supposed to be, I think I'd be angry about it, so I, I feel like they said that that was going to be <laughs> I love ODST. It's yeah, just, I do too. It's um, great. Underrated Halo game. Yeah. So it might be my favorite Halo game. So a lot of people honestly. say that. Like, which is weird, because I'm a big, like, ah, no, I want Master Chief, but like the one I like the best is the one you never played with Master Chief. <laughs> Quick sidebar before we move to the, the next game. 343 just came out and, and had to make a statement saying, yes, Halo Infinite is really Halo 6. Yeah. Shouldn't they have just called it Halo 6? Not if they're trying to do that soft reboot thing. Yeah. I think they want to draw a line. I think, and I've said that since E3. I, you know, there was a skepticism. Oh, no, no, this is Halo 6. I said that multiple times. Like, this is Halo 6, clearly. But they don't want to call it Halo 6 because at a certain point, A, the numbers get unwieldy because you just yeah, feel like, oh, ridiculous. well, now there's five games I got to play before I understand what's happening in Halo 6, right? Yeah. And then at some point, I, th I you know, if I was in charge of the storytelling in Halo, I would be like, okay, we have to pivot so hard off of the bullshit from <laughs> 4 and 5 because the stories in both those games are garbage. They really are bad, And, like, yeah. you just have to get away from it and do something new and, you know, maybe, like, wrap up some of the threads from 4 and 5, but, like, your, your main goal needs to come up with a reason for Halo to still exist from a narrative point of view, which they have not found for two games. No, you're absolutely right. And, yeah. I mean, multiplayer, great, you know, all that's fine, like, you know, you don't need to come up with that for that. Everything's going fine for what, you know, for whatever people prefer, don't like, whatever. But in terms of, like, you know, Halo's identity as a massive epic shooter campaign story of a, that spans the universe, they have not figured out a reason to keep telling that story since Halo 3. No, you're right. And, you're I mean, Halo right. Reach was fine. You know, Halo Reach was fine. Prequel, kind of like, you know, like a you know, last man standing, you know, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid kind of last stand thing. Awesome. I enjoyed it. It was cool. You got to meet some new Spartans with, you know, different types of abilities. That was cool. Great. But in terms of continuing the story beyond Halo 3, they have not found that narrative thread or that narrative reason yet and if I were them that would be, have been the thing that I took that extra year or year and a half they've taken on this to really nail down why are we still doing this and well, because it you well, know what well, well yeah but that, that's not a good enough answer like yeah. that's not a good answer from a creative standpoint if that's why you're doing oh, it, I agree with you if that's why right. you're doing it go Black Ops 4 just make multiplayer yeah like but if you're going to keep telling trying to tell me this story you need to figure out why you're telling me this story by not calling it Halo 6 though you are making your job more difficult because you already had to come out and say oh no this is halo 6 we're just not calling it halo 6 you start talking about the casual folks maybe they start mm. thinking it's more of like an odst thing or a reach thing honestly at this point i consider that an, an advantage you do because you love odst and you like reach well no so I, do I, I mean but... in the sense that like i don't think look the last thing I, I think most people are looking at especially from the casual point of view from what i've seen from my friends who are kind of they used to be Halo fans, and now they're they're like, oh, I like the multiplayer, but the campaign, I, I only got past. The, like they they mostly stopped after they got to the second repetition of the boss. Yeah. In five. Understandable. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. And um, you know, and I'm already I'm fighting Prometheans over and over. These giant bullet sponge morons that I don't even enjoy killing. 
which is like that's half the point of Halo. I like, hate the dogs. The dogs are terrible. It's all <laughs> it's all worst. bad. Like it's, it's, I it's, like the concept of having like the symbiotic enemies where they kind of rely on each other. Mm-hmm. They're kind of tethered together. I like oh, the yeah. concept. That's a very Halo idea, but the what, execution the execution's not yeah, good. good. And the fact that they just like they they double down in they five. Did, yeah. Is <sighs> the dogs are the worst though. But like they're the worst. Frankly, if I said, oh, well, because Halo 6, to me, th- makes me think, oh, more stuff like 4 and 5. Yeah. Halo Infinite makes me think, oh, maybe this will be different That's and true. better. That's a good point. Um, I don't think differentiating it from 4 and 5, even to the more ignorant, casual audience, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I just think 343 is going to be answering questions about this until the day it's released. Sure. But better that than people's like, oh, six. No, no. Oh, so this is six, just oh, like five. Just and another four. four and five. Yeah, because <laughs> no. frankly, that would be my reaction. Yeah. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I am pretty much a casual Halo fan at this point. Yeah. Like I, I play through the campaign once, and I play a little bit of the multiplayer, and that's it. It's, you know, I never yeah. go back to it again. I don't stick with Halo multiplayer anymore. I used to be a huge I'll Halo play it, fan. Me too. I mean, I think everybody was. And look, like but part I of that. I used to play multiplayer for months. Now I play the multiplayer for a couple weeks. Right, and part of that, of course, is uh, I, f- you know, there was a little je ne sais quoi, so they say, of um, of you know, of Bungie and that team, and they've kind of dispersed. The yeah. went to you know, Bungie went to Destiny, and they are. So you lose a little bit there. There's still some some of the originals kind of doing it, but it's. Uh, it's honestly, it's a little bit like uh, the Star Wars situation right now. You've still got a bunch of people that've been at Lucasfilm forever, but they're not really the same, are they? Yeah. For better or worse, like they're not yeah. really the same thing. And then you, you, know, you end up with something like Solo, and it's just like, well, that is, you know, every check mark is checked off in that it's a Star Wars movie, but I'm really bored. And that was, I, honestly, I, I thought of Halo when I watched Solo and uh-huh. was bored halfway when I, when the Kessel Run ended, and I thought. Is there another act to this damn movie? Is this not <laughs> over yet? If you and didn't like, like a Star Wars movie, and I, and I f- that's bad. And I mean, that's how I felt like every time I finished like a boss battle in Halo Five. I'm like, yeah. is this game not over yet? Are we still <laughs> we still dragging this Act One out? Like we're still doing this? That's so. the worst when you're dragging your butt through a video game. We have to do yeah. it all the time because we have to play games we nece- don't necessarily really want to play. Well, Halo was even worse because I always played it. Uh, I always played it with this one group online, it was the same group of three other people online. And it was a point at which, like, two thirds of the way through Halo Five, where someone was like, "Is anyone still enjoying this? Is, are we having fun?" And we're, we're like, "No, <laughs> no." It's like, so we just want to finish it and go. Yeah, let's finish it and get done with it. Like, that yeah. was it. And I looked, man, I didn't realize. I looked it up, and I had like almost a thousand out of a thousand achievements on Halo Five. We did wow. everything in that game. Like we always would. Every time a Halo game came out, we'd go in and we'd grind. You know, we got, I got a thousand out of a thousand. All the achievements on on. Uh, Three and Reach and ODST and I mean we did you know all those crazy things like you know carry the ball or right. whatever from yeah. like this port to the this point of the you know, all that stuff we did all that stuff all that weird those weird stupid human trick achievements and stuff <laughs> and like we had a good time it was it was a, it was a bonding experience and it was a lot of yelling and hitting each other but like it's still we still got there and Halo Five it was just there's a point where everyone just didn't sign on the next day yeah and that's death for those games it is. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk, some, talk next about a game that's been around for quite a while, but Ubisoft will not let it die. That game is For Honor. And yeah. Ubisoft today announced a, an arcade mode for For Honor that's a PvE option that's kind of like a traditional fighting game in a lot Interesting. of ways. Interesting. I hadn't seen this. this is, oh, really? This, I missed this, which is funny because I like For Honor. Yeah, you do. And you played, you played this a ton. I did, yeah. But it's like... Um, yeah, it's kind of traditional, like a traditional fighting game. The cool thing about it, though, is that everything that you do in this mode carries over into the other modes. So any mm-hmm. progress, 
any new gear that you get, anything like that will carry over into the other options, uh, which will obviously encourage people to play it, or, or at the very least, not discourage them from playing it. Right. Because if, if there are certain modes in games where I'm like, it's discreet, and anything you do there doesn't count anywhere else, mm -hmm. I think twice about playing those modes. I hate That's to admit true. it, but I, I just absolutely do. Um, if there are other options where I know whatever time I'm going to spend on it is actually going to help me out in the long run, I'm much more apt to play that other mode than one that isn't tied into the rest of the game. So, I, honestly, Ubisoft has really kind of made all the right decisions with this game. Yep. It, it's I, I would never pretty thought, remarkable. I mean, it sold better than I think they ever expected it to, but, like, certainly better than I expected it to. I, didn't, I thought this was going to be niche of a niche. Yeah. I mean, but... It's just goes to show, like even even stuff like the crew. I mean, they kept that going for four years or something. Yeah. Like, um, I did notice the crew two was on sale for half price a couple weeks ago. Is that it? was. Uh, <laughs> it begins. Not a surprise. Um, I mean, I like this game. I, I uh, had a really good time playing it around the time it came out. I did try to get back into it when they did that big sort of like revamp free weekend thing a, a month or two ago. It wasn't too bad. I mean, obviously, I'm outclassed yeah. horrendously by the people who've been playing, like, the whole time. The whole time, yeah. But, like, it's, it didn't feel unfair. It felt like I just didn't... I just wasn't up to par with them. It was, And that's one of the things I like about For Honor is, um, outside of the odd sort of, you know, a, a ping problem here and there, um, it feels... Uh, when you lose a fight against another player, it feels like it's because you did something yeah. stupid or because they're better than you. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like kind of the holy grail of online multiplayer. Yeah, it's right. a game where yeah. you feel like, I understand why I, why I got killed there. It was either my fault or I didn't know how to adjust to what that person did. Um, it's, it's not like you're getting killed and going like, what the hell was that? Yeah, I was right. like, it's, uh, so I appreciate that a lot. And the fighting game parallels are obviously maybe, maybe it's because, you know, I understand kind of the fighting game idea a little better. So maybe I just see it clearer. And like, maybe, maybe when I go, what the hell was that in a shooter? It's just because I don't understand what I'm looking at. That's entirely possible. You can also but, play this cooperatively, cooperatively yeah. with one other person, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I can't really fault Ubisoft for anything they've done with this game. No. Except maybe forcing that dude out I liked a lot. Uh, yeah, that is a little weird. But, uh, I wonder how he feels seeing how big this game has become. I feel like that this wasn't what he wanted it to be to some weird degree. Like, it seemed like he didn't no, want No, actually, it. he may be right, man. <laughs> maybe that's why he left. He was not happy with the direction the game was going. Yeah. I mean, and Ubisoft's you, like, hey, bro, like, look at the numbers. You can love the, or the Renaissance Fair as much as you want, but if 100,000 people show up, you're not going to have as good a time yeah, as you're right. used to. Yeah, you're right. Uh, next up, we already talked about this a little bit. Dark Souls Trilogy announced today. Mm -hmm. uh, coming out October 19th. Includes all three games. All the DLC for 80 bucks comes in a steel case. Mm -hmm. A little steep. I mean, you I mean, think it is? For three games, 80 bucks? If you wait for the right Steam sale, you can get all three of those games for like 20 Can you really? Yeah, they're, they're, they, they go on deep discount pretty often. Like, okay. I, mean, I mean, Dark Souls 2... Scholar of the First Sin is regularly like $9 on a bunch of sales. I've, I have uh, that I have that and 3 on PlayStation 3, uh, PlayStation 4, purely because they had such crazy deep discount sales at one point. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I, I'd like to have them all on PS4. Cool. So I would say... like, now, what if, if you bought all three plus all the DLC? The DLC tends to come comes with Scholar oh, of the does. First Sin and, and Dark Souls Remastered. Gotcha, so the only gotcha. thing that has separate DLC right now is Dark Souls 3. Um... 
So the I mean, part of it is to have a physical copy of all these things in a nice steel case. I get that. That's cool. Uh, 80 bucks is about what it would cost to buy Dark Souls Remastered, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, and Dark Souls 3 with a DLC um, without any discounts. Uh -huh. So it's like it's a you know it's a fair price from a non-discounted point of view. But if all you want is the games, I would say you can get them digitally way cheaper if you just have a little bit of patience. Even on consoles? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I said, PS4. I got I got Dark Souls One Remastered, not so much. But I got two for, I think it was $9. And uh, Scholar of the First Sin is the re remastered Dark Souls 2 with all the DLC included and the Scholar of the First Sin stuff. Um, and 60 frames per second um, on, on the consoles. Nine bucks. Dark Souls 3, you're probably more like 20. But like, um, it's, it's, the, it's the maximum amount you could possibly charge for So you're games. saying they priced it perfectly, basically. Yeah, they priced it at, at the maximum amount. And then they, then they made that thing, I think uh, they said, and I think Wario64 reinforced it, that like there's only going to be a limited number of physical copies of this, so if you want it, order it. And I, I actually... Did you order it? I did. <laughs> I, I ordered it for Xbox, because I don't have any of the games on Xbox. Oh, okay. Um, and you can play it on your X, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I and uh, I like you know it's a nice steel case a nice little sort of like trilogy boom yeah boom we're done. Right there it is yeah um, and uh, I saw I actually saw people on Twitter and on Facebook reacting like oh I, I don't want it I already have and it. it's too much like eighty bucks and da, da, da. and then like they announced oh it's gonna be really you know pre-order now if you want to make sure because a limited number and like okay I just <laughs> pre-ordered it's like click, yeah it's click. instant <laughs> it's like all you got to do is create that. That feeling of scarcity. Oh, yeah. And boom. Even if it's not even, like, confirmed with the publisher, is that, yeah. that air of it. that Because, I mean, all this is is what's already out yeah. in one yeah, steel, yeah. steel case. Uh, it's, uh, to me, it's, I think for most people, at least console owners, I think they're going to look at this as a great deal. Not if they've been ever looking at the prices on the on the digital stores. Yeah, like they are they they these games go on discount regularly and for real good prices. Well, I got Dark Souls the first one for free yeah. from like X free games with gold or whatever. Yeah. Well, this I mean this one is way better than that because yeah. it's the remastered. It's remastered, version. right? Um, if only in the sense that it runs at twice the frame rate and it runs pretty steady in places that used to tank the frame rate in the original. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know it's just a bundle of. The existing ones, and it's it's cool. It's you know, it's not it's it's not the nice package that Japan got with all the extra bonus stuff right. that cost like some crazy amount of money. Yeah, it was like, like eight hundred bucks or something, yeah, wasn't it? But it was, it was like insane. But it's uh, you know, it's at least something, and it's a nice nice little steel book to have on your 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 shelf that collects all of them in one place, and you're done. So this, I mean, this really means there's never going to be another Dark Souls, right? I wouldn't say never say never, but like probably. Yeah. I mean, if, once you do something like this, you're kind of putting a cap on it. If they're, I think they've they've implied that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if they made another game like it, but like they wouldn't call it Dark Souls right. Four or anything yeah. like that. Um, we did get a Sekiro uh, release date. Yeah, we did. Um, so that's on the way. Yeah. Uh, that's March. That's also something too, yeah. It's, dude, March is gonna be insane. Like, yeah, literally, you have to spend your money really and wisely. A, that, actually, Sekiro going more or less toe to toe with Devil May Cry Five is interesting because that's more of a Devil May Cry style game yeah. now. More, more so than more like so than the Soul Dark Souls game. games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a what a what a what a March that's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I think certainly I think Dark Souls is over for the time being, but it wouldn't shock me to see them. Do another Souls alike later on. I don't know how we'll, you know, it's already the Soulsborne games. If they add another title to it, I don't know what we're going to call them. 
Uh, does this have any impact on the Switch version of Dark Souls Remastered? Um, I don't think so. They're coming so. out the same day, Same right? day. Yeah. But let's like... I think if you want the Dark if you want Dark Souls One on the Switch, you want it on the Switch. Like it's not gonna. I don't think this is gonna stop you because like, look, Dark Souls One is half the frame rate on the Switch. The resolution's low. It's not. It's certainly not. It's the worst. It's not version. the definitive version. No, of it's the, the game. worst version by. You know, yeah. It's objectively the worst version of the remastered Dark Souls One. Yeah. So if someone wants to buy it. They're buying it because they want it on the Switch for portability or whatever. I can't imagine wanting to play these games portable, like just without the pause function or anything like oh, that. I know. But like, if that's what they want, if that's what someone wants, you know, the, the availability. These games are already available on the other platforms. Yeah. They could buy. They could buy everything in that trilogy pack right now, digitally. Like they could just go buy it right now on PSN or Xbox right. Xbox Live Store, whatever the hell you call. Is it a Microsoft Store now? Yeah. They, they could just go buy that right now. If they wanted to, probably about the same price. No, you're probably right. But the, that that trilogy thing is for people, you know, collectors and fans who want a nice steel book that contains everything. And yeah. you know, it's a nice looking package. It is absolutely. Um, so I don't think I don't think there's a lot of competition there. There might be people that are upset because they got to buy two things. Seventy percent of Switch owners own either a PS4 or Xbox yep. One. So that thirty percent is stuck. And the remaining 70%, uh, most of them are probably going to buy both of them, yeah. frankly. Yeah, you're probably so, right. Just to play it on the Which go is or... funny because there was that conspiracy theory about like how they delayed the Switch version so, so to convince people to double dip from buying the remaster on the other platforms. And then they'd be forced to buy it on the Switch as well. And I'm like, well, now that's it's like... Again, like you say, okay, so now they're going to triple dip you. Right. Because <laughs> what about the people on the other platforms that paid 40 bucks for the Dark Souls remaster, and now that Dark Souls remaster is in this collection again, and they want to buy it again? Well, like, it was people all gonna, crap. People are going to have like five copies of Dark Souls 1 at this point. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next and about... And so am I. I mean, I did. I, yeah. I pre-ordered it. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. You're clicky clicky. Prepared to die. <laughs> again. Again and again and again. <laughs> again. Again. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Soul Calibur VI. Uh, Bandai Namco today showed off the single-player mode mm. in Soul Calibur VI for the first time. Um, it appears that you create your own character. A, a Soul Calibur staple. Yep, which is not out of the ordinary whatsoever. There's, it appears there's also lots of uh, cosmetics and loot in the game. Oh, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't turn into a microtransaction nightmare. I, actually, you know what? I, I thought of that, and the other thing I thought is if they, they show uh, the map screen in this yeah. at some point, yeah. and you choose to where to go. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Well, it shows you where they choose where to go, and it says how much it costs to go to those places. And I'm like, I bet you're selling that <laughs> currency for real money if we no, want. No, you're right. No. That was very perceptive that you picked up on it, showing an in-game yeah. currency. Like, right I'm there. sure, like, you can you can get the currency just by playing, but right. I, I, you, you obviously but, you're going to be able to buy it, like, nine ninety nine for 100000 whatever. Because whatever, you know, that's a gating mechanism that you don't need in a single-player game unless you are doing something no, like that. you're absolutely right. What was the... Uh, Not to get all, you know... Not to get all conspiracy microtransaction theory on you, but, like... I don't think at this point it is. With themed. Namco, that's not really a, 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 a huge leap, I yeah, don't think. Yeah. I mean, these people sell you, you know, jet paint jobs with anime characters on it for like five bucks a piece. I mean, these guys know know they can milk you for it. What was the Soul Calibur game for Wii? I can't remember the name of the uh, subtitle was for that. Was that Legends? It was that Something weird like, like action adventure yeah. take on it that was very weird. Yeah, it was like a weird kind of 
broken the story mode kind of thing. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I don't remember what the name of that was. was I played like, that whole thing. I think I had to review it for GT or something. That was torture. It was like, but I'm getting a little bit of that vibe of that game from this single player thing. Well, I, I, this reminds me of like pretty much all the single player stuff they've done since three. Um, you create a character, you go through kind of a bare, bo- not a bare bones thing, but sort of like it, it's almost like it's a, a series ladder. of survival modes or ladder modes, um, which is fine. And it looks like there are actual cutscenes, and there's actually going to be some cutscenes that try to explain why Geralt is there. Um, <laughs> that should which be is fun. fun. Like you know, <laughs> Soul Calibur does have a history of a lot of characters getting sucked through portals. Yeah, um, I'm guessing that's exactly well, certainly how they explained why the Star Wars characters were there at the at the time. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I mean, I'm <laughs> glad it has one. out for everything. I just got sucked through a portal. <laughs> I'm glad it has one. Like, instead of just playing a ladder of opponents one after yeah. another. Like, because that's the thing. You know, I think there was one. Sometimes these campaigns are unintentionally entertaining because yeah. they're so bad. They're so poorly well, written. Like, like, they're so poorly voice acted. Well, also the campaign, like the campaign stuff, is kind of a Soul Calibur in the sense that Soul Calibur One, the original Soul and Soul Blade, uh, both had really robust ones. It was yeah. like, there was a lot going on there, and then it was very disappointing. Like two just didn't really have much. Three tried to do it, but like it was still kind of like a half a half effort. And the PS2 version had a problem where it would just randomly erase your save. And when you're dealing with a like grindy oh, campaign yeah. that like takes sixty hours, like you probably you don't want that. Which has um, the better story mode in general, Soul Calibur or Tekken? Uh, I hate Tekken, so Soul Calibur. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know because like, they're very similar. Honestly. I haven't played the story modes of the last they're, like four Tekkens. So. They're generally flimsy, full of stupidity, mm. uh, absurdity, poor writing, poor yeah. voice acting. They're fighting games. I would honestly give Tekken a little bit of an advantage because it actually kind of hits that zenith where it's so absurd that it actually almost ends up being kind of entertaining and good in the end. I don't know that Soul Calibur ever does that. It just ends up being just dumb and and mm. absurd. I like Soul Calibur better. I like playing Soul Calibur better. So I think, I, but I just I don't know anything about Tekken's story for the last like three or four games. Does it matter? Probably not. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. I think Tekken's better looking. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean... This uh, Soul Calibur, it's a shame to see what's happened to Soul Calibur because it used to be a measuring stick. Oh, it used to be the cutting edge. But yeah. Like, they're clearly using a lot of Soul Calibur five assets in this game. Yeah. They, they've definitely cut some corners. Which, creating. I mean, it's better than not getting it, I guess. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to stop me from buying it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty much in because Geralt's in it. I'm, honestly, guest characters have sold me an embarrassing number of these Soul Calibur <laughs> games. Like, it, it's, it means that they're picking them well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, certainly I bought uh, the GameCube version of Soul Calibur 2 because Link was in it. Uh, of course, yeah. And Star Wars will sell me almost anything. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, Geralt is uh, now. It's, it's at the very least worth I, the sixty it, bucks. At the very least, it's got to be in there because it's it's got to be part of the Witcher collection now. Oh, you're right. I've got a whole shelf that's just Witcher stuff. Oh wow. Uh, up next, Ace Combat Seven, Matt. It's about freaking time. Ace Combat Seven got a release date. Amazing. It, it's coming out January nineteenth. 
needed more. Holy crap, dude. What has taken so long to make this game? I don't know. Apparently, I mean, apparently they decided to, you know, because originally the VR stuff was going to be like a separate mode where you did like these challenges in VR. And then at some point last year, they decided probably because of user feedback and disappointment to, to convert the entire campaign to VR. Uh, that so, was a bad decision. Well, now they're committed. I, I'll, yeah, it's I'll, too late now. I'll be honest. It's going to make me unpack the PlayStation VR for this. I will definitely play it in VR. Dude, I and would puke it's going, so hard And it's going this. to be the first VR game my girlfriend plays because she loves Ace Combat. Really? Ace Combat's one of her favorite Why has series. she not played any VR games? Because she doesn't care. She just doesn't care about None it. None of them are interesting to her. But flying a plane in VR is super interesting to her. It'll make me barf all over the place. It might do that to her, too. We don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, she's like, never tried don't it. Know. I wish her better luck she's, than she's I've had very, with uh, She's very susceptible to... Uh, like motion sickness stuff, and she's ve- oh. and she can't see 3D in 3D with 3D glasses. So we don't even know what's going to what's going to happen. I would test it out on something a little more tame than Ace Combat, just know. to my, see if it's going to make you sick. I don't know. My first VR experience was uh, a, fl- a flight game. It was the the prototype of Eve Valkyrie. Um, my first one was in the arcades way back in and, the day. Uh, well, that wasn't real VR. I, I'm not talking about Dactyl Nightmare here. Yeah. I'm talking about current VR Legit stuff. VR. And um, because I played that shit back then too, and it's just like okay. Or it had the weird periscope thing that you pulled down and you went like this. Oh, like, that was yeah. That was a that was that mech thing. Yeah. I'm talking about. And then the other ones where you stood in like the raised up I'm platform. Talking, I'm talking about the, the ring. Cir- thing. Yeah, the ring around it. Dact- that's Dactyl Nightmare was yeah. the one I played in. Where it was like it was like you know it looked like kind of like you know, like race driving or hard yeah, driving yeah. like that kind of like. It literally it looked like worse than N64. Like you only games. knew it was a pterodactyl because the title told you. Yeah. It's like okay, like everything's okay. made out of like literally like eight polygons. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, the first one I played was that, and, and I did, you know, you know, I don't get nauseous, I don't get anything playing VR, but I put, you know, it was the original, it was the Oculus uh, developer, first developer kit or whatever, and we put it on, and the first time I did, like, a full, like, you know, evasive roll, I was like, whoa! <laughs> I, and the, one of the, one of the, um, the what was that, CCCP, that's the, the Eve guy, one yeah. of them comes over and puts, puts his hand on my shoulder, and because he saw, I could see that something was... Uh, <laughs> He's about to he flip goes, backwards out and of he go, his chair. And he, and he goes, look down at your body. And I look down at, like, this the virtual pilot body there, and all of a sudden everything was like, like, oh, we're good. Yeah, I get it. We're good. <laughs> and I never got vertigo or anything playing VR ever again. Wow. That was the only, that first five seconds was like, whoa. But so you do know how I feel when I play VR. Oh, then. yeah. But I, it went away when I did that. And like suddenly, for whatever reason, some, some thing clicked. clicked in my brain. I was yeah. like, and it's like, oh, we understand what this is now. Um, the only other time anything like that's happened is when I played the first, it was on the Vive and I downloaded some RPG kind of fantasy thing that I can't remember even remember the title of now. But it was the first thing I played that allowed you to have full um, movement control, like real, you know, instead of just teleporting places. And like my, my like I almost fell over when yeah. I took my first get, steps. That gets in that. me too, man. Um, not, I wasn't nauseous. I wasn't ill, but like my brain was like, we don't know how to do this. Like yeah. <laughs> the balance. That's what my brain awkward. says to me when I play with VR. Do you think that Ace Combat Seven though is a day late and a dollar short? I mean, um, isn't PlayStation VR kind of over well, it already? Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's a game. It is, but... You don't need VR to play it. It's just yeah. a bonus thing. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'd forgotten that they made a non-VR version. It's, it's just, it, By default, it's non-VR. Originally, it was just going to have a separate VR mode, but they decided to convert the whole thing, which is great because I would rather play it that way. At All least... the hype for this, though, is around PlayStation VR, though. 
Well, I, I, no, I think the hype for it, for the people who are really in, into it, are because they love Ace Combat. Yeah. Um, Ace Combat, and also... I haven't met too many people like that. There's a, there's a fandom. There's a definite fandom. Um, and also, like, there's not really anything else like it. Like, Still, what yeah. else? What else? You and more play? arcade style. Take the arcade on style, fighting. like yeah. kind of fake ass, like Japanese. Sim. Yeah. And yeah, there's people. You know, I love the the ridiculous storytelling and the fact that it takes place in this weird alternate universe. And yeah. you know, I didn't like it when it went to like with Assault Horizon and tried to be COD. It was right. dumb. Um, you know, and I, it, you know, there's a it, the, the whole thing is gloriously cheesy at all times. If you've played, if you haven't played Ace Combat Six, and I, I unfortunately I don't think that's backwards compatible on Xbox right now or whatever. Yeah. But Ace Combat Six, uh, none of it, it's so dumb, but it's like charmingly dumb. It's like, and it's like this weird thing where like it takes place in the alternate universe that Ace Combat takes place in, and this country called Emeria. Yeah, Ameria, which is a freedom-loving bunch of white people. Really, they just took the sea um, out. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they're invaded by what is obviously Russia. Yeah, and um, they get thrown out of the equivalent of New York and stuff. And there's this whole weird thing where, like, it's all the story on the ground has nothing to do with what you're actually doing in the game. But the big, like, in Ameria, the big, like, go fuck yourself, like, phrase is go dance with the angels. <laughs> Which is like a reference to the myth of like the creation of the country or right. something. And so you've got all these people like saying, go dance with the angels, mister, to like their invader Russian soldier guys. And all the soldiers are like, how dare that? It's like, it's like they the, would even know it's the it greatest means. insult anyone could ever say. And the whole thing is like, this is the dumbest damn thing I've ever seen. But it's so, it's like, it's like weirdly charming in how, it's like watching The Room if it was Top Gun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's great. It does have that strange Japanese appeal to it. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's like it's like Ace Combat 5 where they kept talking about how maybe the, the enemy squadron, the Rosgary squadron, might be a demon. Yeah. Might be demons. <laughs> and you couldn't tell if they were trying to be like allegorical or if they right. really thought that they were demons and jet fighters. And then they kept playing that Puddle of Mud Blurry song. Yeah, like, yeah. What am I watching? <laughs> like, it, it's like being on drugs or something. Like, I, I mean, love those games. that's kind of Ace Combat in Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love those games for specifically the reason they're so weird and cheesy yeah. and you can't believe someone actually did this in like... It passed by like multiple people who didn't say like what are you, what's wrong with you? Like, they're like, yeah, that's great, do it, do it. Uh, let's move along. Fallout seventy six. Still don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, I mean we know it, but we just they won't show it to us. Like, I mean, do we really no know what it is? Like, well, I feel like it's gonna be like Ark Survival Evolved in Fallout World, but like they still won't play it in front of us, which is weird because it's like eight weeks out or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's starting to make me nervous. I uh, I almost wonder if Bethesda just fears like a revolt or something, and they want to know. maybe finally show the gameplay loop much closer to its release when people have already pre-ordered it and already committed. I don't have a theory. It feels like you would by now you would be showing, at least demoing what it's like to play the game. Yeah, and uh, like Gamescom in, in a in a vertical slice kind of way, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've already seen like elements of it. We've seen like kind of the videos that show things. They put out all those animated videos of gameplay elements, but like you know, they look, put if, out another one for Gamescom. If Sony can show me ten straight damn minutes of Days Gone, you can show me five minutes of this. Absolutely. You know? I mean, that's really all you need. All you need to see is what happens whenever I'm put into the world. Mm -hmm. How do I get my quests? Can I go on quests with other people? Can I do them by myself? 
once you solve a quest, how do you get rewarded? What do you get? How do you level up? Mm -hmm. Done. That's all you need to know. Because otherwise, Bethesda has pretty much explained almost everything else, but you don't, it's like you have all these organs without the connective tissue. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what we've experienced so far with Fallout 76. Um, I mean, I'm not super on board with the whole concept to begin with. I think a lot of people feel that um, way. So I guess maybe it's also because I'm just looking for, like, some kind of... Yeah, I need to see a more concrete example of what you expect me to be doing in this game so I know whether I'm going to just outright reject the idea or not. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. Like, Because I, I don't like these kind of games. And, like, there's certainly an opportunity for me to like this one because it's Fallout and I like Fallout. And, like, you know, a, a theme can pull me into a, a genre I don't like very much sometimes. But I just, it's, they're not giving it to me. They're not showing me. I, all I need is, like, a, even just one of those stupid Ubisoft style with, like, the fake voiceover, you know, voice chat stuff. Like, even something like that, just to show me what, like, a mission is like or something. Like, I don't know. Also, I will, I will add this about Fallout 76. My brother is a big Fallout fan. And uh, he texted me and asked me if it was coming out for PS4. Huh. So all this marketing that Bethesda has going on with Microsoft, it is working. It's penetrating somewhere. Yes. People think that it's not coming to PlayStation. They it's think it's an Xbox exclusive. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's coming to PS4 and PC and everything. He's like, but if you look at the trailers, mm -hmm. it's always the Xbox bump. It was shown during Xbox press conference at E3. And for whatever reason, a lot of casual players mm. aren't getting the message that it's coming to everything. That's interesting. It is. I was like blown away. And he's on it. Like he knows what's going on in games. And he was like, hey, like, why aren't they releasing? Because he only has a PS4. Mm -hmm. And he used to be an Xbox guy. And he's like, wait a minute. Like, I jumped shit from Xbox yeah. over to PlayStation, and now I can't play Fallout? And I was like, no, bro, you're going to be able to play. It's coming out on PS4. Is he also from West Virginia? He is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that, this is a big discussion right. in West Virginia. People are talking about this like crazy. Because I don't think it's ever that state has ever been in anything other than Country Roads by John Denver. Mm -hmm. So... People there are really, really excited about it. And uh, still, he had misinformation and did not think it was coming to PlayStation. So somewhere along the way, the messaging from Bethesda around this game just is not getting it done in right. general. Although, at the same time, Google is your friend. It is, yeah. Well, he has his brother who knows, he thinks, knows everything about video games. So he's like, why would I Google it when I can just text my brother or whatever? So I promise that Google's faster than you are. No way. No way. <laughs> I'm faster than anything. No, yeah. I think he was just, you know, probably just using an excuse to right. reach out or whatever. But uh, I found that curious that he, and he's, he's tied into it. He knows what's going on in games, but he was not aware of that. Just the messaging in general for this game seems off to me. Seems very un-Bethesda-like. The way it's been rolling out the features. Meanwhile, today, at Gamescom, we get yet another chunk of gameplay for Rage 2. It's like, so if you look across Bethesda's portfolio, like, it's, it's not adding up. It's like... Fallout 76 has been singled out for this special way of promotion that mm -hmm. Bethesda has decided to do with it. I, Meanwhile, we get all this gameplay, these gameplay chunks of this game that didn't come out until next year. Yeah, we look, we got at QuakeCon, we got like 30 minutes of Doom Eternal, mm -hmm. and here we are. I mean, It's super unlike Bethesda. Well, it's funny because well. if you look at Doom Eternal so far from media, we have a trailer and 30 minutes of raw gameplay. You look at mm -hmm. Rage 2, we have two trailers and like three chunks of gameplay. How about just nearly as much gameplay, raw gameplay that I've already seen from that damn mobile game? Right, yeah. And then you look at Fallout 76, we literally have like eight trailers at this point, mm -hmm. no gameplay. 
I don't know what's going on there. It, it's throwing up red flags all over the place for me. Uh, and I'd lo- I liked Fallout 4 a lot more than you did. Um, and so if I were in your shoes, where I didn't even really like Fallout 4 as much as I had hoped I was going to, to I'd be real nervous right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, pl- I did go back to Fallout 4 this year when they- it was on... Actually, it was on... Uh, I think it was... Gold? Was it on? It was like yeah, Xbox Live Gold free one day, and I and I already had all the DLC for some. Somehow I had the season pass, and I don't know why on the Xbox. And I don't know why because I played it on PC. Oh. And when I got it on Gold, I'm like, oh, I have all the DLC. I didn't. Okay, maybe I'll try it. Now you know it's it's on Xbox One X. It runs better. Uh, I have the mods if I want to use them. So I loaded it up and I, pl- I played like more. I played much longer than I did the first time, and I liked it better. Uh, this time, uh, the second time through, probably because I wasn't, ex- I knew what to expect, and like, you know, my expectations I think were a little overblown. That day. I was not trying to be the ambitious game I was hoping it was going to be. It was just more sort of like Fallout Three again, yeah, with like you know some slight enhancements yeah. and a base building system I don't care about. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was. I had a better time. I, I but, but it was like. Is the first Fallout game I ever really bounced off of uh, in the whole, except for Brotherhood. I remember I was surprised except for Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, as receptive to it as I was. I mean, I played it for like forty hours, yeah. but it was just the point at which I realized I just didn't care. Like yeah. I, I didn't think the exploration was rewarding, and I didn't think the quests were interesting outside of uh, uh, Valentine. Um, like that stuff was cool, but that was about that it. That stuff was really cool. Um, still, I mean, still the best part of the game. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But. Uh, so I've come to terms with Fallout 4, okay. but it's, it's different from something like, you know, Skyrim, where I played it you just Right away, you fell in love with it. And yeah. then I finished all the DLC, and then when the, the, you know, the free update of the Enhanced Edition came out on Steam, I loaded, oh, I'll just see what it looks like 80 hours later. Like, I didn't even mean to do that, but I played it for another frickin' 100 hours almost. <laughs> I just like that's I, a sign of a great. Game. I just love Skyrim, and well, it's a great game. Whereas the Fallout and Fallout, I tried to play Fallout Three again, and that didn't hook me again. The Fallout game, the Bethesda Fallout games, do not hook me the way the Elder Scrolls games do, and I don't know why. Yeah, everyone's different. Everyone has different things they like. But I, my, my Fallout love goes back to like Wasteland in 1988. So yeah. I don't know. Like, I should like Fallout more. I don't know. That's something about it. it is, they don't hold it's up the, the bats. It might be. The, 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 the Elder Scrolls stuff holds up better for me, for whatever reason. Even Morrowind. Yeah. I don't know. That's the way it is. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about FIFA, believe it or not. Never talk <laughs> and about... And I'm out. <laughs> we never talk about sports games on Game Face, and we definitely don't talk about FIFA hardly at all, despite the fact that a huge portion of our audience, both on-site and on Patreon, are from Europe. We probably should give it more love, because I know you guys love FIFA and you love uh, football. Uh but here's something very interesting. So if you remember last year's Madden, I was a big fan of the story mode in that. Mm-hmm. The story mode in this year's Madden is a shell of hmm. the first one. Uh, there's a lot of turnover at Madden this year, not the least of which was some of the writing staff leaving and blah, like the blah, director, blah. wasn't it? Yeah. Like after like two months. Right. And uh, it shows. Like the, the single player story mode in Madden this year is really just terrible. It is bad. Um, FIFA today comes out and announces its story mode, and it is just shot for the moon. Hmm. It it did the exact opposite of Madden. So the story mode last year on FIFA was okay. wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Madden's was certainly way better. This, this season, Madden's went in one direction, and FIFA's has gone in the entire other direction. 
it's completely blown up and blown out its story mode. There's three different characters that you can play as, um, and they all kind of affect each other and intertwine with each other. It looks awesome, in all honesty, and a vast improvement definitely over what we got in Madden this year and probably over what we got in Madden last year. So it's interesting that Madden kind of lit the torch and now FIFA is the one running with it. Hmm. Um, maybe I shouldn't even say Madden lit the torch. It lit the torch at EA. We've been seeing story yeah. modes in sports games from like NBA 2K for yeah. a while. So, And it feels like if this is, they're at this level with this, like clearly they were, were I mean, it might have been inspired by the fact that Madden was working on this two years ago or whatever. It's and true. They're like, they're like, oh, we could do that. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's do that. Um, which, you know, the, 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 the sad fact of the matter is that that makes me way more likely to buy FIFA. Yeah. Because, like, the, the drama of sports is interesting to me in the sense that there's stories to be told. It's why I love the 30 for... I don't follow sports at all, but I love the 30 for 30 documentaries. Well, they're great. Because they take all these weird things, these, these once-in-a-lifetime things that happen in sports and turn them into a story that you can identify with whether or not you follow that sport at all. Or if you care about sports or care at about all. Any, it's, just, it's just about people. Yeah. It just becomes about... You know, you don't you don't need to care about soccer to understand that this person in that story wants this so much, and you if you like that character, you want them to get what they want. That's true. Like you don't even need to care about soccer yeah, at that point. You just right. need to care about that character, and that is a way to drag someone who would never play a FIFA game, or certainly never play sixty pay sixty bucks for a FIFA game, to jump in on it. Yeah. So like already you've got my attention in a way that no FIFA game has had, beyond the fact that I think the animations in them are beautiful. Yeah. And the fact that um. Uh, the 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 whenever a new FIFA game comes out, all the flurry of gifts of uh, the weird glitches where all the care all the all the players get stuck to each other and or stuff. Or bend over backwards. Yeah, or... that that stuff is very entertaining. But um, although I will say, I, I ended up accidentally watching um, some FIFA. It was like a FIFA tournament or something. And I have to say, I was very impressed by how oh, dude, good FIFA players how will realistic blow your mind how realistic the gameplay was in terms of the passing and the dribbling and the trick stuff and all that. Like it looked, you know, it certainly didn't look like the old stuff I used to play. It was, like, it was like, and like you look at the, it cuts to the guys playing and they're just they're going like League of Legends play like the, this is oh, yeah. it's like watching a Smash Brothers guy play. It's like all these inputs happening constantly. Well, back in the N sixty four era, there was a World Cup ninety eight, I believe it was. <clears throat> and I got it for a review, and I played it for a little bit, and I had a really good friend of mine who lived underneath me in another apartment. Mm. And uh, he didn't have a lot of money, so what I would do is, and he had an N64, I would buy games, play them for review, review them for street-level gaming, <clears throat> and then give them to him. And uh, let him play them for as long as he wanted, and when he'd get done, I'd trade them in, or whatever, I'd keep some of them, but... FIFA World Cup 98, I played that game to review it, played it probably 30, 40 hours, something like that. Thought I was pretty good at it. Finished it, took it downstairs, gave it to him. He had it for like a month and a half or two months. And I went down to his apartment to play games with him one day. And that, he blew my mind. <laughs> I could not touch the ball. He had gotten so good that he could literally juggle the ball all the way down the field without the ball ever touching the ground. Like... Even back then, FIFA had crazy depth. And if you watch some of these new players play, like I have a buddy who lives up in the Bay Area who's huge into soccer and like one of the only games he plays is FIFA. So every once in a while, like I'll just pull out like I have like FIFA like 2014 or something. And he still has all of them. So I'll call him and be like, hey, you want to play some FIFA? He's like, you still only got 14? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> He's like, all right. 
and we'll play and like it's like he's playing a different game like i cannot do anything i can't possess the ball for more than like five seconds at a time before he takes it away some way like it is infuriating it's like playing I, it's like playing against me in street fighter yeah i mean it, it may be worse matt honestly like he is that good at it like i yeah, cannot you did touch me a couple times yeah when you like the... i can't get the ball from him he just toys with me he'll just like <laughs> he'll just like head it over my player who's in the middle like running back and forth like yeah there is crazy depth to fifa i have a ton of respect for people who are good you gotta at play FIFA. the ball where it's going to be not yeah where yeah, it is. yeah i mean he's like he has like you know I have like in the in early FIFA games you could set up like one like uh, touch passes where you'd pass it to a player but while the ball was going to him you preload the next pass mm-hmm. so you pass it and then you control the guy who passed it running away and as soon as it gets to him he immediately well <laughs> like in the new FIFAs you could do that like the whole way down the field and I'm just like a chicken with his head cut off so yeah I have a ton of respect for good FIFA players like that is a game that has a ton of depth. It's like an onion that has different layers that you peel back. It's like, okay, you're good at passing and shooting now. Well, now here's this. And then you get over that, and then you peel that layer back, and there's something else underneath there. So, yeah, FIFA, definitely, gameplay-wise, a great game. Has been a great game for a long time. It's good to see them really concentrating on something for more of the solo stuff. Um, And it also, I think uh, the story mode has, like, a a U.S. women's soccer player as one of the characters. So they're mixing up the genders a little bit so that maybe women can maybe get into playing FIFA a little bit That's more good. than they have. Well, um, they, they emphasized that a lot last year, too. They did, yeah. Well, I mean, getting women, the women's teams in yeah. there was the big deal, I think, last year. Yeah. And now this year, they're actually working a female player into the story mode as well. So FIFA looks like it's on a great trajectory. Meanwhile, yeah. Pro Evolution Soccer keeps losing leagues, and it didn't have any... It couldn't afford to lose any to begin with, yeah. so... It's, uh... Fallen quite far from International Superstar Soccer 64. Another for sure. N64 classic. That was, At that point, that was one of the best soccer games oh, yeah. I ever played. And like to this day, I remember the, the announcing on that. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, it but is. It was, the layer, it, was just, it was the ace combat of That game soccer was all announcing. about the gameplay, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just sublime. But I just love that that game had... Um, if you can find YouTube clips of it, do so. Because it, it, they only had room on the cartridge for one instance of every country's name right so whether that so that country's name had to be one particular way and that they used it for every single thing and for some reason they didn't just have the, the announcer record the country names like neutrally some of them were like excited excited or like or weird depressed. and so like so like <laughs> wales like wales is the announcer saying wales was wales and so, it was, and so it was always like and it, i remember that specifically i remember it was wales and england was england and so, when you finished Wales. a game, England. when you finished a game, he would be like, he'd be like, another game in the, it was a, another win in the books for Wales, poor old England. And like, <laughs> like it was just complete nonsense. It was amazing. Go, That's worth go looking look on YouTube up. for. <laughs> I'm sure I have that cartridge somewhere. I should drag that. Uh, out. All right, let's move on. I think maybe the biggest story is what we're going to talk about next. I think it maybe the story with the farthest reaching implications anyway is what we're going to talk about next. And that is NVIDIA announcing its new line of RTX mm-hmm. cards. Because Neat. that's something that's going to affect pretty much all of us, or at least everybody who gives at least a little bit of a crap about PC gaming or is a crypto miner. It's going to affect everybody for years to come. So quick rundown. RTX 2070, 500 bucks. RTX 2080, 
700 bucks. RTX 2080 Ti, $1,000. And then if you get the Founders Editions of those, mm -hmm. they all go up. Even more. Even yeah. more. The Founders Edition of the Ti is like twelve or $1,300. Yeah. Why is that? What are the Founders Editions? I don't remember what that is. It... I, don't, I think you get it early. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the Founders Editions come out on like September 20th. I got you. And so basically, you're paying all that coin to get it before yeah. everybody else. Well, you'll, you'll, will you mine more? Will you mine three hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin by then? <laughs> Probably. No, I don't no know. you won't. You absolutely won't. Bitcoin mining is over for people like us. Yeah. Now it's just for people from big corporations with deep pockets who are okay with making that penny every hour when they extrapolate it out across all their servers. Yeah. It's not a penny per hour. So. Well, first of all, let's just talk about the price, Matt. Is that reasonable, feasible? It's about what they cost now, yeah. But it's not, though. Like, I went and looked, and I looked at, like, what the prices were for the GTX 1080, mm -hmm. and it started at, like, 600 bucks. Yeah, but the 1080 is, like, well into the GTX line. This is the new line. This is the new tech. This no, is I'm saying when... It came out. That's what mm. the price was. Yeah, but I'm saying that, that that is well into the line. Like that is you know, the Titan X has already been out at that point. The Titan, etc. Like this is a revolution in some ways. You know, the, the real-time ray tracing is. This is the new. I know. You know the the new the Thus, new shit. RTX. A lot of the people are flesh. pissed off that they change it from GTX. The reason they did that is because it's all about ray tracing. Ray tracing. That's why yeah, it's I, called RTX. They're trying to explain to you they have this brand new technology that they're mm -hmm. using. And we're seeing some ray tracing stuff right now yeah, in this demo so. footage that we're, we're going to show That was good. You. The Battlefield 5 stuff looks amazing. Um, does it look ama like $1,300 amazing? Do you think that's feasible? Are people going to pay this, Matt? Sure. Really? They, yeah. Absolutely. They'll sell out. Are you going to buy one? Probably not. Not immediately. Um, first off, I don't trust the drivers. Yeah. Like You've got to wait and let these things settle a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want this tech at some point. Um, you know, my, Did you my... hear about Tomb Raider? Mm? With um, with the ray tracing on, they can only get it to run at 40 frames per second. <laughs> Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. Well. So what, are we what... ready for ray tracing? If you have to spend $1,300 to get 40 frames per second? Well, that's... It is amazing. This video in particular is incredible. Like, if you pay attention to it, mm -hmm. if you look at the reflections of the fire, it's on the street. It's on the characters, it's in the cars, it's on the guns, it's on yeah, it's ridiculous. everything. It is flipping ridiculous. Like, tech demos are always tough sells because a lot of, you have to really pay attention or you need to be able to hear the person who's giving the demo to explain everything that's going on. But look, you can see the fire reflecting on the wood on the gun. Mm -hmm. This is stuff that has never happened in real time in video games, ever. It is a big deal. Yeah. but. A thousand dollars? Well, that's early adopter stuff. You know? like what you... really bothers me, though, is that they're not going to drop the price of the other car. Like, I wouldn't mind getting another 1080. Because they don't have to. I mean, you're either in the market for this or you're not. It basically doesn't affect the other cards. Yeah. You know? like, this I, is I a just whole look at it as typically when a new model of anything comes out, the old model is cheaper. That's usually how it works. Somewhat, but like, this is not. Well, the prices of these that. new cards are so high that right. the old cards are cheaper. That's true. That's also true. <laughs> I also just think this is not, this is a basically, a, this is at this point, the RTX is essentially like a second, a second pillar. 
It's not even. It's not replacing the GTX. It's another thing. Really? That you think you can, so? Well, for now, until until the pricing comes down on this to make it in the same ballpark as what the GTX is, for sure. Like, they don't need to drop the price of the GTX. This isn't competing with that. It's literally just like a crazy high-end disposable income early adopter thing. Because also, you're, I mean, when you see this, you're looking at the tech that the PS5 and the next Xbox are going to be. Yeah. Like, this is, this is what the new shits is. No, you're right. This is the new flesh, yeah. as Videodrome would say. Yeah. And... <laughs> Um, you know, and we're two to three years ahead here, so that's why it costs so much. And if you want that, to, maybe uh, more than two. I don't know if you're going to be able to get this tech into a console at a reasonable price for a while. Talking about a five hundred dollar console in 2020, 2020 you know? I mean, maybe you have the base model. I mean, it may it may not look twenty seven. I mean, it may not look like that Battlefront video, right. Battlefield video, but like you'll have the capability to do some sort of real-time ray tracing. I mean, ray tracing is something that has been talked about since the GameCube. Right. Oh, do you remember they tossed out like ray tracing when oh, they were no, talking about the that. GameCube hardware? First time it's I heard like, about, okay, buddy. I don't know. The first time I heard about ray tracing was on the Genesis. Really? Desert, Desert Strike. Was they, really? they, they used ray tracing to make the Apache model. The, the the helicopter you play as in Desert Strike it was it was not real time obviously but they used a ray traced model to create the sprite that was used in the game to make it look realistic or whatever and uh, so yeah ray tracing has been a buzzword going back to at least 1993 uh, it's, it's it's here we are in 2018 finally it's somewhat the holy grail well we'll see you know like I I think and again you know that Nvidia is making this tech and you know all this stuff is all it's all connected. They, you know, they, everybody already knows basically what hardware is going into the next consoles, yeah. and this is going to be part of it. And that's one of the things you're going to be expected to be able to do in a new console, you know, moving forward. Uh, you know, this will you'll be you'll be sick of seeing flame reflecting off wood by <laughs> by 2021. I promise. Oh you. yeah, of course. I mean, it's we just saw it for the first time. Yeah, this is the ray tracing thing is the bump mapping. Of, you know, of 2018, of, you know, of the generation nine. previous generation. Remember, yeah. remember when, like, when people would, you know, Xbox 360 launch, you'd buy Condemn just to look at the wet bricks and the you know? shaders. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's like that's what this is for for the new generation. Yeah. So, when do you think you'll uh, make the leap? When do you see yourself buying one of these cards? I don't know. Probably next year. Yeah. Um, probably won't drop in price by then, though. No, but I might have a new uh, variant out by then. Like I, I would, I usually won't like to wait for the second or third iteration of something, just to let them work everything out. Because the other, you know, it's also the the drivers. I mean, drivers are such a pain, and you know, you just never know when something's gonna break everything. Um, so I will wait and kind of, you know, it's sort of the Apple thing. You know, I'm, I, I, that's cool. Let somebody I'm, else jump in. I'm gonna wait and watch you all complain about it until they <laughs> fix all this stuff. Yeah. And then once that hits a point where I'm like, okay, I can live with the shortcomings here, I'll get that. Because also right now, right now, like it's not ideal, and obviously can't do ray tracing, but like my computer runs stuff just fine. Yeah. Um, and until I wouldn't mind getting another 1080 in all, in all honesty. And I mean, I, I would su- expect that like t- Rise of the uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider will probably be the first thing that really like says like, yeah, I'm not going to run right on correctly on your system. But you the know? prices are too high. Like it's too, it's still too much for a GTX 1080. Like it was a big sacrifice for me to buy one, and I'd like to have another one so I can mm-hmm. play games in 4K smoothly. But I it, the prices have never come down. No. They're still well, they insane. don't need to because the 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 cryptocurrency Crypto crap. is keeping it up there. And also remember, I mean, I when I bought when I built my computer, I bought two Titan X's. They were thousand dollars each. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, I go I go completely crazy when, when you it finally comes time do it. to finally build a new machine. 
Uh, it is not time to do that yet. You know, I, I, I rode my previous one. I mean, that thing was like nine years old when I replaced it. Yeah. You know, I built it for, well, no, it wasn't nine years old. I guess it was more like six or seven. I built it for The Witcher 2, and then they delayed The Witcher 2 by a year. Well, at least yeah. I have a fat rig now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I keep my PCs for a long time. I mean, that's what's the great about PCs, though, is that you can upgrade them piecemeal, part yeah, you by do part, a bit by bit, or whatever. It's like yeah. Get new RAM, get some DDR5 or whatever, throw it in there. That gives you a boost. Get a new graphics card, gives you a boost. Get a new monitor that's a higher megahertz, gives you a boost. Yeah, that's one thing I love about. That's the other PC thing gaming. is I would need a better monitor. Yeah. To take advantage. No, you're of right. Because I my existing monitor is only 2K. Yeah. So I would definitely need to upgrade for that. Because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. You know what I just discovered that was shocking to me? Is that uh, movies are only in 2K. Some of them. Almost all of them. Well, a good chunk of them are in, are in real 4K at this point. There's an actual website you can go to. I went. Think. There's only well, like 20 that oh, are, no, there's that are hundreds. native 4K. No, there's hundreds. No. No, there is. Dude, I actually is, trust you, but I just read it. Because well, <laughs> you know way more about movies than I do, but I just read this. No, they're wrong. I like saw the list of the movies. That's not true. I don't know what they're talking about then, because there's plenty of true 4K out there for movies. Really? And believe me, I pay attention to this, because I ain't buying something if it's not true 4K, because that just means they're going to bring another one out later, and I'm going to have to replace it. But film is only 2K, right? No. No. Film is 8K. No, no, no. They only... They put them out in 2K because all the effects are only in 2K. Well, that's a mastering it. So because, right. If you, if you take a 35-millimeter film and you scan it at full maximum imaginable resolution, you're going... That's 8K. Right. It's about, film is about 8K resolution. But really, but you can't go above 2K because all the effects, they're rendering them in 2K because if they were to render well, them in 4K well, yes, or 8K, it would bloat movie budgets and it well, would yeah. take forever to render well, shit. Well, yes, you can because sometimes they do master them in 4K. Uh, but a lot of times they do, they do the effects or This whatever, was all new to me. I was blown away by this information. The Star Wars, you know, Force Awakens mastered in 2K um, because for exactly that reason. It cost too much to, CG, to render everything yeah. in, in 4K. Uh, I believe The Last Jedi was actually 4K. Like they've started doing them in actual 4K. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Marvel movies rendered at 4K a lot. I think they're, they? they're slowly rendered render 4K, slowly moving into the. I think Infinity War was true 4K, which I just finally watched. Um, and then you you can have true 4K uh, um, masters of, of of a 35 mil, of a film movie, and maybe the the stuff wasn't rendered at that level because like the the like they were saying the, the like all the mo live action movies that don't have CG they're 4K. Like you, well, you can still but do a 4K. But anything that has CG, they well, say see, you can never get a true 4K well, No, version. that's wrong. That's stupid. Because, I mean, that's a weird technicality that doesn't mean anything. Because, like, like the, the, the Christopher Nolan collection they put out on Blu-ray last year, all of those are true 4K transfers of film movie. Because he, sh he shoots his movies on film. And so maybe the... I don't know what they rendered the, the, the CG effects at on his film movies, but that transfer from that 35mm film is a 4K master of that film um now did they skimp on the whatever digital effects were on there maybe i don't know for sure yeah, yeah. but that is a four true 4k resolution you know digital copy or you know of a film version now in something like uh like star wars where you know like force awakens where they mastered it in 2k that's all digital they did not do a they did not shoot that on film they shot it on digital right so the digital shots are probably full 4k 
and then they master it down to 2K to do the effects because of, like you say, the render farm would, would, bur would burn to death. Yeah. Um, one day, if they wanted to, if they wanted to do a full 4K version, they could re-render everything at 4K. Uh, you've also got the problem, that's the other problem you have with 4K versions of um, uh, uh, the prequels, is uh, uh, episode two is shot at 1080p, and will never be they shot it at 1080p. 1080p was the maximum resolution you could do digitally then. What, they didn't shoot it on film, though, is what I'm no. saying. Wow. Like, episode 2 and 3 were shot completely digitally, which at the time was cutting edge. But the cutting edge at the time was 1080p. For, for episode 2 was 1080p. I believe episode 3 is 2K. Um, but that means that you're never going to get a yeah. higher resolution of that's crazy. Attack of the Clones than 1080p. Yeah, that's crazy. Unless you completely re-render everything and reshoot it. I mean, uh, there's yeah, no, you there's, can't do it. The live action yeah. stuff is 1080p. Like, you're screwed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is an ongoing thing. But, like, it, like what I'm saying is, like, uh, like if you did a 4K version of the original Star Wars from the original film, film. Yeah. maybe maybe the what they shot of the model stuff was not 4K, but that is a true 4K transfer of a oh, film. Oh, no, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, now, like, but won't you see like the CG won't look great if they do that? If they not do it necessarily. that way, really? It depends. I mean, there's no CG in Star Wars. Well, can you see the difference between 4K and 2K? It's tough. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of stuff that is 2K that's sold as Ultra HD, and it just blows up to 4K, and most people would never notice. Yeah. What spurred this on was you mentioned you had a 2K monitor, mm -hmm. which seems odd that there's a monitor for gaming that was 2K instead of 4K. Well, well at the time, 4K monitors were like $12,000. Right, right. So I bought the... The half step or the, whatever. The, yeah, it, when, I mean, it was like 10% of the price. It was on sale, right. and it was, it, but it only goes up to 2K, which was more than enough at the time because yeah, it was like yeah, 2014. Better than mine. My monitor's um, only 1080p. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it still looks good. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you'd have to, I'd have to get it, go up to a... Four. If you're going to get that card, you better have a display device that can stand that car would it. do nothing for me really i don't have even a 2k monitor like yeah well i mean that's the thing is like if you're still operating at even 2k i mean i can run everything i own pretty much it maxed out at 60 yeah. frames a second at 2k yeah and like so at this point it's almost just like you're adding a degree of difficulty for the sake of what right because 4k you know, at that distance you know it's, just, it's like a 32 inch monitor it's it's fine. It's a great resolution for that that distance of viewing. Like, yeah. if you might go up to 4K, you're just sort of in crazy town at that point. Yeah. Especially for the price. Yeah. Um, so, to me, it would not be, you know, to me, it's always about adding graphical bells and whistles. The resolution is cool, but, like, it's not the end-all, be-all. To me, the thing that pushes me to get new hardware is always, this card can't do this cool new graphical trick. Right. Yeah. Um, like more than the tracing. resolution. You know, yeah. pl there's plenty of stuff that I run at 1080p just to get a smooth frame rate yeah. as well. Like you know, like Deus Ex, Mankind Divided when it launched was just a disaster in terms of shaders trying to run at high resolutions, and so I dropped it down to 1080p so I get a smooth frame rate. I was fine. It was like fine. a it's like a multiplayer game. Like maybe the first week you play it, you care about how good it looks. Oh yeah. But eventually, all you ever, oh, all you, you care want, yeah. about is how smooth it'll run. Well, my, um, yeah, my girlfriend, you know, she's a, the big Overwatch fan, and my girlfriend, yeah. and she's like, like she, uh, and I was, you know, I got a, a gaming laptop, because um, I didn't have anything small to, to, for portable, and I'm like, oh, you can take it with you and play uh, Overwatch League when you, or Overwatch, watch Overwatch League and play Overwatch when you're on the road, and she's like, she comes back and she's like, yeah, I didn't do it too much because it can only run uh, Overwatch at like 90 frames a second. And she like, needs more. It's yeah. got to be 144. Like yeah. if it's not 144, get out. Like yeah. she, she has no use for you. And it's just like, 
and it's only for that. It's pretty much only for that game. Well, it's yeah, just like, yeah. She's but it's like, about it. but yeah, but it's like it's it's uh, it's what you're used to. And to me, I'm just like, oh, I'm trying to get this thing to run at sixty. And she's like, oh, that's adorable, you know. So, like, <laughs> well, I'll say this about so to the... me that that laptop is great because yeah, I mean yeah. I can hook it straight up to the TV and play Steam stuff without having that to do the awesome. Steam Link without yeah. the lag, and I can play stuff at sixty. And that's it's fine. great, actually. But but she was how like, much did you pay for the laptop? Uh, fifteen hundred ish. Oh, that's not bad. So uh, yeah. It was um, pretty good buy. It was on sale. Alienware? MSI. Uh, that's good stuff, too. Alienware is too big and clunky. I, I'm trying to wonder my, to myself, when will I buy one of these RTX cards? And I'm thinking it'll probably be in, like, four years. I'm not even exaggerating. I, I don't, no, I, don't, I was going to say I don't find that to be a particularly unreasonable thing to yeah. say. Yeah. Like, like, that's that's ridiculous, a ridiculous amount of money for that. You could buy cars for that. <laughs> My first car cost a third of what that card cost. Well, I mean, that's true of the PlayStation 3 as well. It's like, yeah. The, the well, my first car was the like console they told 400 you to get a, bucks. The console they told you to get a second job to yeah. afford, if you remember that. It was still, it's 600 bucks. So there's a big difference between that and 1300 but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, 13, the founder's stuff is for... It's not for us. People with a lot of it's money for to different waste. Different people. Yeah. I still think that's mostly targeting the crypto cryptocurrency people. Like it's I, possible. I I feel like that's the only paying an extra three hundred bucks to get it early. That has to be part of like some kind of like you know economy of scale scheme for the person buying it. Like I, yeah. there's nothing. I don't. I can't imagine paying the cost of a switch to get a graphics card a couple months sooner. Like yeah. that's just not a thing. I you would. You could buy a do. switch with that money. But chances are. If you can afford to spend that much on a graphics card, you already own everything you want. Probably. That's my guess. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk, lastly, well, actually not lastly, we have one other thing to talk about. We're going to talk about Diablo 3 for Switch. Big old joint announcement between Blizzard and Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I always love his... Uh, his acting yeah. chops in these. He's I also love this. Like, definitely not going to win an Oscar anytime I soon. I love this like weird alternate, like kind of like fictional universe. There were like yeah, where they made this fake ra- OS and like and we're like <laughs> random like random like game company CEOs just intrude upon Reggie when he's trying right. to do other. They have things this private and, like, like chat service that nobody else has, where the big video game people can just talk to each other whenever they want to. Yeah, that used to be AOL. They used to be called the Bar. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> So Blizzard is putting out a game on a Nintendo platform, I believe, for the first time in 15 years. Uh, what was the last one? Like StarCraft 64? 64. Yeah. Yes. Was that StarCraft 64 that late? Yeah. 2003? Yeah. Actually, maybe more than 15 years. Wow. StarCraft 64 did come late in the N64. Yeah, life. I just didn't think they were still putting stuff out. It was out announced uh, for a long time. Because that's just... two years after the GameCube came out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's not right then. I know it's been at least a decade since Blizzard has made a game for a Nintendo platform. Oh, it's been a long, long time. What do you think finally convinced them to do it? I don't know. Money? Easy port. <laughs> Money. <laughs> I think Nintendo paying the money and the promise of, you know, some of the sweet, sweet microtransactions coming up or something. I don't yeah. Know. But keep in mind, it is, what, a three- or four-year-old game now? Six. Diablo 3 six years old? Diablo 3 came out in 2012. Wow. Well, so, now, I, now you know why they did it. Well, yeah, it's probably <laughs> like, that. We can make but, money I mean, the more, game. Look, I don't care about, you know, I don't care about playing a six-year-old game I've already beaten twice on two different platforms 
on a new platform for what is probably going to be full price on a screen the size of like a block of cheese. Yeah. Like the important news here is that Blizzard is on board with the Switch. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Moving forward, that's there's stuff that could mean that's big for the platform. You think we'll see Overwatch on Switch? No. How come? 60, 60 frames a second. <laughs> I don't think anything's hitting 60 frames a second that isn't a first-party game on Switch. Yeah, that's just I, not going to happen. I just can't see Overwatch running well enough to for Blizzard to be comfortable with it. But I, I think we'll see Hearthstone. Yeah. And I bet we'll see um, whatever future stuff they're going to do. Because clearly Diablo 3 is not over. I feel like they're going to do more stuff with that. Overwatch feels like a perfect fit with Nintendo, though. Mm. Just the tone of the game, the art style. Except it's all online and requires a robust online service. Well, I guess you heard that Blizzard already said, oh, yeah, it's going to use the Switch app for voice chat. Yep. Which also, by the way, we only have about a month left of free online play on Switch. Second half of next month, you have to start paying to play online. And that's... (laughs) That's when developers stop adding multiplayer elements to <laughs> Switch games. Seriously. Oh, we'll see. It's, I, I think the fact that it's so cheap per year may not make it quite so much of a barrier. Um, I think you've got a large contingent of Switch owners who will just pay that 20 bucks a year to get access to the retro games. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, curious, though, what percentage of people who own both a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox have both PSN and Xbox Live. Well, me. I mean, we do, <laughs> I mean, no, but we have to. We need we need that service to play yeah. these games online. But the average consumer, yeah, don't I, you think they would just decide they pick like one? Yeah. Yeah. So, like seventy percent of Switch owners own another console, mm-hmm. where they're already subscribing to. I mean, that's a that's a good point. But at the same time, I think you can't forget how crazy Nintendo fans are when it comes to just like pain to get nostalgic fixes yeah and that's basically the point of i mean the, the i think to a lot of people like the you know whatever they call it, they're calling it the nes the nintendo entertainment system or service or whatever yeah. on that thing like we can play like retro games each i think that is worth 20 bucks to most nintendo fans straight yeah, off 20 bucks straight out the box and like getting nothing. to play splatoon 2 more is just icing on the cake um depending on how they handle that kind of thing um, I think the big the big obstacle is the stupid voice chat app, which Fortnite is proving you don't even need to use. Yeah, you can just plug a headset. Just plug a headset and it wouldn't work. I need I need a behind the scenes explanation <laughs> of that one because that feels like some that feels like Epic was just like, no, we're gonna do it like this. Oh, then we just won't put it on the system. Oh, we can do it like that. Okay, oh, great. Okay, yeah. Like, uh, no, do you think Nintendo knew? I mean, Nintendo knew all along you could do it that of way. Of course. They Why is to. it making people use that asinine app? I don't know. For the children or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Nintendo, every once in a while, is just consistently does stuff where you're just like, what? I don't know. What They're still doing friend codes. What I do mean, want? that's the way it was on Wii U. I could just plug in my headphones. Like, I have earbuds with a little mic on them. I could just plug it into the headphone jack, and it worked. It just worked. I don't know what to tell you. And Nintendo won't tell you, but you can do that with the Switch as well. Well, if you put it in your game, right. which, which Epic apparently figured out how to do. My only guess is, like, I don't know, maybe it takes up enough of a memory footprint that it has it does not a universal solution. Like, they need to offload it for certain things yeah. that are pushing it really hard, because maybe Fortnite's not pushing the hardware tremendously. I don't know. I think everything pushes that hardware tremendously. True, but, like, clearly Fortnite can do it. Yeah. So I don't know where... I don't think voice chat 
takes away a lot of processing power. Yeah, but I think when you're nickel and diming to the point that you, you know, with some of the some of this hardware, it might matter. Yeah. I don't know when you're pushing it real hard, it might matter. Yeah. Uh, but I am not a developer, so I don't know. All right. Um, all I know is that that the fact that Fortnite can do that makes me side eye that that app real hard. Um, yeah. Diablo. <laughs> you think? Again, Diablo is, uh, you know, it's, an, it's yet another old game that you've played multiple times on other platforms coming to the Switch, which I don't find interesting. But the interesting part is that Blizzard is on board in some capacity, and that could mean uh, very interesting things for the Switch moving forward. The other thing, of course, to remember is, uh, I think Diablo 3 plays better with a controller. So, in the end, I would probably prefer to play it on that than on the PC. But it's already on... It's already on PS4. PS4 I played yeah. it the most on PS4. Yeah. But, like, for whatever reason, Diablo 3 works... You know, if anybody hasn't played it on PS4 and is, like, thinking about the Switch and is like, I don't know, using the analog... No, Diablo 3 works great with a controller. They should add controller support to the PC version, frankly. I'm surprised they haven't. They have not. All right, let's wrap up Gamescom anyway. with one more topic. And like I said, after this, you're good. We just gave you all of Gamescom in about an hour and a half. Uh, the last something gonna... happened while we were doing this. <laughs> exactly, which is possible. Uh, typically not with Gamescom, though. Generally, the first it's two all pretty days, front-loaded. Yeah. everything happens, and then there'll be maybe a couple extra like developer walkthroughs. That was like the middle the of the week. night. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's just starting to happen yeah. like here soon. So, uh, the final thing we're going to talk about is Shenmue Three. A release date for Shenmue Three. Also, a brand new trailer they put out today. Uh, the release date is August 27th, don't get too excited, hmm. of 2019. So another year from yeah. now for Shenmue 3. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's delayed again. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to see that slip again. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the trailer? Uh, yeah. Game is looking much looks, better. Looks good. Yeah. Especially in light of having just played the... HD versions of the other two. Yeah, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Although, it, you know, I think... Rio, I think you can take the band-aid off your face. <laughs> it's probably it's okay. Healed, it's bro. probably fine. It's, it's been, healed, it's been bro. months. Now it's a fashion statement, I think. I guess. I think it's, it's a, just his look. That is, well, also, that's a thing. In like old, I remember that in like old uh, anime and manga stuff when I was growing up in the 80s. Like that was like a... Like a sim, like it was like an emblem of like a badass or something. Right, it was like right. the, 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 the Something happened the face, that they needed you know? to... <laughs> Uh, this trailer, I mean, the game is starting to take shape. Yeah. It's starting to look okay now. Some of the trailers we got before, I don't know that I would say that. No, but I mean, that's, that's the problem with showing works in progress to the general public, is they yeah. freak out because they think it's like, oh my god. It's like, well, no, they all look like, I mean, polish is the last thing to go on. Well, on really anything, because that's why it's called polish. But like, you know, you, I think some of the early footage of that was beyond just like it need polish. The developers I've talked to uh, disagree with you. Really? Shit looks real bad until you really get to a you know a pretty finished state in most games. Like you'd be shocked. But it looks much better in this trailer. Oh yeah. Uh, without this a is doubt. A, this it is actually a, looks like a generation eight game. Yeah. Now. In a in a we, in a real like kind of non kickstarted sort of like actual you know. You know, non non crowdfunded production. I think this is about when you announce this. Right. This would be the first thing you'd show. Yeah. And say it's coming out in a year. I mean, like, look. Once they announce a game, games don't look better after they're announced. 
Well, yeah, but you have to announce this before it looks good because it's a Kickstarter. It's a Kickstarter. Like yeah. that's what I'm trying to say is like this is the point in most games when we would see it the first time, and then a year later it would come out. And a year later it would come out. It looked like, but like, but you had to get through the alphas and the pre-alphas and the. I mean, stuff looks awful. Like, yeah, it did look you know, awful because it doesn't need to look good because you're just trying to make the game work. Like right. it, it doesn't matter if it looks good. You're trying to make it make it function. But like, I don't think this game's out of the woods yet. By the way, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. We're good now. Like, they could have just polished up these parts of the game, and they don't show that many different areas either in that trailer. And it's really yeah, short. Well, the character, the character uh, models are clearly vastly improved. Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly in final form to some degree. On yeah, this. they still have a bit of a weird look to them, though. Yeah, they like but, they're like carved out of wood or something. Yeah, well, that's Genmu. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You can't totally break with tradition. Yep, but uh, coming out August twenty seventh of twenty nineteen, as of right now, we'll see if that actually mm-hmm. happens. But that's a good window for Shenmue 3 to it's come out. a good out. place for it to be. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a non-zero chance it slips to Q1 2020. Yeah. But like... Non-zero. Because I'm pretty sure you don't want this coming out in the fall against the big boys. Oh, no. No, no. Definitely not. But, Although I think it would still find an audience. Yeah, but... It, people I, are going to buy this no matter what, man. Yeah, Some people are. There's a are. certain group that will. I mean, I already paid for it, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a choice. But, you and a lot of people have already. How much did they end up crowdfunding ultimately for this? I don't remember. A lot. Like over 10 mil? Maybe? I don't remember. I put in, I put in my money and walked away and said, like, call me when it's ready, basically. <laughs> Hopefully I'll still be alive when that yeah. happens. <laughs> if not, Matt, I will take the copy of Shenmue 3 and I'll put it in your casket. What are you thinking is going to happen? <laughs> Just joking. Star Citizen is No, I'm like... thinking that it may be delayed for eternity. No, I don't think. No, not at all. If it's, look. If Star it's, Citizen, maybe. If it's, it's as not. ambitious as the games we're about to talk about, it could happen. Nah, it's not that ambitious anymore. We'll see. All right, so that segues perfectly into our next topic. It's not even finishing the story. Yeah. That's game. That's Gamescom 2018. Maybe some stuff happens the rest of the week, and we talk about it again uh, next week's episode. But honestly, this is probably all of it. Actually, if that is all of it, what's your letter grade for Gamescom 2018? I don't know. It's probably like a B. Yeah, that sounds about right. B minus maybe. There's yeah. re- the all the announcements were for indie games. Mm-hmm. There was no big like AAA game announcement before that. Yeah, it was a bunch of stuff. More information on just about everything I wanted more information on. Release dates on some things I didn't expect to get release dates for. It was good. Yeah, I'll give it a B too. We uh, will agree on a on a uh, convention for once. Hmm. All right, now let's talk about Shenmue One and Two, the remasters. Um, Matt, how much time have you spent with it at this point? Uh, like a couple hours for each game. I've played an hour and 45 minutes of the first <laughs> one. So, however, I honestly feel like that may be enough to give a pretty educated opinion on these remasters. Yeah, I mean, well, I've, I've probably put a couple hundred hours into each of them in the, on the old I've versions. I've finished both games before. And uh, I mean, I'm. And here's the thing: I'm a big fan of the Shenmue games. Me too. Uh, you see, we're we're, or at sit, least I was. we're sitting in front of. Uh, yeah, flip to the my camera poster. there, Sam. Um, I don't know if you can see, but this poster is actually signed by Yu Suzuki. Um, so I am a I am a Shenmue mark. I am a fan of <laughs> of all things Shenmue, and uh, who boy yeah. are these hard to go back to? <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, yes, they are. And I'm enjoying it in the sense that like. You know, Shenmue 1 is 20 years old this December. It's pretty crazy. Or something like that. Maybe it's 20 years old next year. I can't remember when it came out in Japan. But um, it might be next year. It might be 99. 
Nah, now I'm freaking psyching myself out. It's almost 20 years old. Let's go with that. And it contains a lot of conventions of modern adventure and action RPG games that just did not exist then. And so... It's like I always say, creating something where there was nothing. Yeah, as much as, as clunky as a lot of this is and as hard as it is to kind of hack your way through, especially the, the tertiary NPC dialogue, um, which is just, in the, especially in the first game, is just nonsense. It's half so the time. And, um Or her hair. And uh, well, yeah, and also you got like like there's like five or six characters that have decently designed like character models, and everybody else is just like so ugly. They're just like the like all their clothes and everything is just all the same texture, yeah. and like they're just sort of like stretching around and like this character, especially in Shenmue too, because there's so many more people you can talk to. The characters outside of the main cast, no one has animated mouths. Yeah, they just like stretch the texture up and down to make it like animate, and it like. It, like, does the job, but it's also, like, seeing it now is, like, oh, my God. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, you've got a, you got the problem where they lost the original audio files. And so what you're hearing in this remast, these remasters are the... They ripped the, the audio dialogue files off of the Dreamcast discs or the Xbox One. And so you're talking about, you know... The Xbox I can't believe is, they lost those files. They probably never How thought... How do you lose those files? They probably never thought they'd need them again. Yeah, I guess. Like, why in the world would you ever think? Imagine they're going to yeah, remaster it. Exactly, yeah. and um, so yeah, especially in the first game, you're dealing with uh, the, all the dialogue is is audio ripped from the discs, the disc, you know, the, the the Dreamcast version, which all the audio was compressed to fit on one gigabyte discs. That's a lot of compression. Yeah. And like early on, if you're, especially if you're listening to it through a, a major like like a, like a good uh, surround system, you're going to hear mic pops. You're going to hear hear. Um, hissing when people say s's um i don't play this with headphones would be one of my <laughs> yeah, one of my uh, suggestions i it's, actually uh, did play it with headphones at night i have to play games with headphones on to keep my wife from waking mm -hmm. up and so i absolutely it sounded like i was listening to like a bad mp3 <laughs> yeah yeah um but like if you love shenmue you're still going to enjoy it i think but i would have a very hard time Telling someone who's never played these games to go ahead and <laughs> just fast forwarding through looking at things in drawers. <laughs> that is, uh, that is, I wish, you, know, you wish you could do that in the game. Yeah, I've spent so much time just looking at things yeah. and opening drawers, and there's nothing in them and closing. And like, the other thing you gotta remember is like back in 1999, that was amazing. That this world was so oh, was fully realized, you could interact yeah. with stuff and look at stuff and do all that. And uh, now that charm it's, is long since worn off. I, I mean, I'm blown away by the fact that you can walk out of the and now you can walk out of the front uh, door of his house in the first game, and it gives you a choice of the three major areas to go to. Yeah. Which, like, oh my god, you used to have to run there out of out of that, and like everything is time related and the first game has no time controls the second game lets you fast forward time that's a huge the deal. first game like you're just at the mercy of the clock and it's always too early or too late for the thing you need to do yep and then you have to wait for a whole other day to turn over like but back then that was amazing it's like yeah, it's, yeah. it's like everyone that whole loved thing. that about yeah. it back then yeah. and now it's just tedious yeah now it well even the second game gave you the, the ability to manipulate the time yeah so you don't have to stand so around they knew. and wait yeah uh, the only other issue uh, 
there's like all these weird modes to put things in, and I use Shenmue mode, which gives you uh, the dialogue is on, and the subtitles are off. But if you start to skip dialogue, the subtitles pop up, so you can read them as you jump through the scene. Yeah. Uh, in Shenmue 2, that option is broken, and it's instead of the text, the subtitles being off, they're on, oh, which makes no sense because like if the subtitles are only supposed to pop up when you skip dialogue. Why are they always on? Uh, but the, but it's actually broken even in the description in the options menu. It says, you know, voice on, text on, and then gives a description of how the subtitles will only come on if you skip. So the only way to play the game with no subtitles is to use cinema mode, which doesn't let you skip dialogue, which is a problem <laughs> because, you know, if you're going to grind your lucky hit or you're going <laughs> to grind... Uh, uh, arm wrestling or whatever, like you don't want to have to. Oh, this, this. Oh, a box moving game. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to have to sit through the dialogue that sets this up every time. Did you see that? Uh, was it PC Gamer put up? It, it was the first one to put up a review of this, and the guy gave it like a nine. <sighs> I, can't, I mean, even as someone who. Even if I. If, when I, I reviewed this back in 1999, I don't think I gave it a nine. I might have given Shenmue 2 a 9 yeah. when, it, when it came out. Yeah, that, that would probably the first deserve one. it. Yeah. The first one is very much... God, I don't even know if I can call it Act 1. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like a 12-hour prologue, yeah, almost. It and is. 2 is where things really start to pick up. Like if you, it's if like this three was, times as long. If as this well. was a movie, the first game would be like before the credits. Yeah. Like, he, like you, you've got, like, the thing where his father gets killed by this mysterious man, and then he spends weeks <laughs> running around town asking people about, do you know, do you know any Chinese people? Yeah. Do you, have you seen any sailors? Yeah. Do you know how I can get a job with a forklift? <laughs> yeah. Like, it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, it's not unrealistic, but it's not good plotting. Yeah. Um, it does, it, I guess, look, I've only played a couple hours of this, but... I hadn't played it in quite a while, and I'm just way too impatient to play it now. Mm-hmm. That's part of it, partly kind of what the what games have become, like the yeah. culture of what you know, the immediate gratification and the expectation that like you're gonna instantly be told how to do everything. Uh, that yeah, was there's no of, handholding in this. No, that was one of the interesting. Early on, you you have a scene, or you can find a scene where you train with Fukusan, who is the uh, the 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 guy who lives with you and your dad before your dad dies? That your dad took in when he was fifteen and has been helping train him for the last ten years. Um, which I actually just said in a much more naturalistic way than the people in the game explain yeah. it. Oh yeah, way um, better. I think in the game he's like, he's like, your father has been taking me in <laughs> since I was fifteen. That's ten years. You know, it's like <laughs> That's great. That's exactly yeah, how yeah. he says it. Uh, also you sure the, you didn't work on Shenmue, no, Matt? Is that not you in the game? No, actually, the guy who voices that character... <laughs> how you said 10 years, that's yeah. exactly how he said it. I've played this game a lot. Years. If the 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 uh, the guy who voices that character, <laughs> if you've ever watched the American version, the English version of Iron Chef, yeah. you know the guy on the floor who goes like, Koisan, like and like reports yeah, yeah, yeah. in? That's that guy. Oh, really? It's the same dubbing company <laughs> that did Iron Chef. Wow. It's, a Jap- it's in Japan, but it's an English dubbing that's crazy. company. crazy. Um, and it's just stuff. I, I was talking to one of the pedestrians or whatever, and it was just like, it's like, hey there. He's like, hey, bro. And like, that happened right as my girlfriend was coming down the stairs, and she like almost sat down on the stairs laughing at the dial. And it's just like, 
You walk up to some kid and you're like, hey, he's like, hey, mister, you want to wrestle? And it's like, and it's like clearly like a little, like a, like a adult doing a kid's voice. And like, there's a slight echo because the voice booth wasn't quite soundproof properly. It's amazing. It's incredible. And like. That's so funny. So yeah, there's a cheese element to this. Oh yeah. And if you love these games back in the day, this is, you know, it's great because it's great that you can play them on a modern console. I mean, I've run into some bugs. I have a thing where on the first game, uh, there keeps being this thing where it goes to a cutscene. It just goes to white. It just goes to bright white, and you can yeah. hear the dialogue, but like there's no picture, and I have to like quit and restart. There do, you do seem you can save pretty much anywhere now, so that's that's huge. helpful. Yeah. Um, but like it's still kind of got that thing where you're walking walking down. If you're walking down a hallway and you're trying to like look at something like you got to pull the trigger to look and then yeah. move the stick and you're sort of floating behind his head and you can't really see through his head now you can see through his head but now you can't look down far enough to see the thing you want to interact with it was a it was a prototype for how 3d games work today basically I, look i respect the hell out of this yeah. game and you're right as soon as you play it you start to realize how many things it created for the industry but it's so hard to play now yeah and hell it's so even like the sense of like how um I love the tone how much of the Mass game Effect too. owes to this. Where yeah. like you, you oh, know, yeah. I, I've gotten in conversations this where I, I keep expecting dialogue choices to pop up and they don't. You just yeah. hit the button again and he keeps babbling on about well, they sailors. Well, they do but, expand the dialogue stuff a little bit in the second one. Yeah, a little bit. But early, like I'm mostly been playing the first one and it's and the other thing when I switch to the second one to get you know, give it run it through its paces to see how how it will look because the second one does look better. Because I think they're working off the Xbox version, which was a little improved. Yeah. But you're still, I mean, both games still have just just ground textures yeah. that it makes me feel like there's something wrong with my eyes. <laughs> like, it's so bad. And, like, I've seen people online, it's like, oh, my God, it looks so crisp. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, the character models some places, it maybe. It looks but crisp like, in comparison. It looks comparison, yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm still looking at this. I mean, even right here, you can see... Uh, even the very first shot when like he runs through and you see like the broken sign like on the f- yeah. on the ground like the f- the ground texture so is just yeah, Sam oh. actually just showed that yeah so who who should buy this Matt fans of Shenmue yeah that's the only that's person it. I would recommend like, it to like I know, if you're curious about it cool like but I'm don't, not gonna hate on you for getting you know, no it, not at all but don't come complaining to me when you spent thirty bucks on a thing that you know you're not gonna get through because it's so archaic in a lot of ways yeah because it's part of history like if you're interested it's in like gaming a relic history, like yeah. an artifact yeah I mean but it's like it would be like I don't know like you know you can't you have to appreciate it for what it is you don't buy an ancient Greek urn and then complain that you couldn't grow a flower in it no yeah you know it's yeah. not for that yeah. it's for yeah, you know, it's like. But I was saying about you know, the handholding thing. Like you, when you go and do that training thing with Fukasan, you have to. You're trying. You show him the form for the move he's trying to do, and the game doesn't tell you how to do the move. No, you, have it to, doesn't. you have to intuit from the dialogue what you should do on the controller to make the move happen. And I was this able to do it. This game will drive like eighty-five percent of the modern gamer bonkers. Yeah, I think it's. It, and it's really hard for me to recommend it to anyone. Unless you're already a huge fan and you want to get the best version of it possible, because that really yeah. is what you're getting here. But at the, I mean, if you've never played them, I would say at the very least you have to go in with a mentality of you are playing a two-decade-old game. Yeah. 
that laid the foundation that was for innovative a lot of the, for its oh, time, absolutely but... laid the foundation for a whole lot of you know no one you know one of the reasons the controls are awkward in this game is because no one had codified out. <laughs> how to do that <laughs> yeah, you know yeah and uh, the fact that you have to pull the trigger to run it's weird yeah. but like that's you know no one there was no you know we had and you get this if you play like kind of remasters of old uh, PS1 games or stuff like no one had kind of the, the there's a standardized feel to how 3D, 3D cameras work and how third-person cameras work and how controls work and, and you know, how characters start and stop and, and that kind of thing. And it just wasn't here. Yeah, the transition yeah. animations, there's none of that type of stuff no. that's what you get with modern 3D games. But there, you will get something out of it. If you get sucked it, into it, though, you, I mean, I think, you'll get a lot of game for your dollar. Yeah, and I think you'll, you know, if you're a fan of Yakuza in particular, like, you'll see where the, how Yakuza is the descendant of this game. Um... And you'll see kind of where, like, you know, the, that, yeah, when people talk about how it's a spiritual successor to Shenmue, I think that's very clear when you play this, especially, you know, even as someone who's played a lot of Yakuza and hasn't played Shenmue for a few years, um, it's very much there. Um, but I would recommend, like, if you want to prep for Shenmue 3, I would recommend just watching, like, a synopsis on YouTube or something. And I'm sure Shenmue 3 will come with something like yeah, that. Yeah, there'll or, probably be a little cinema at the beginning like that. that just catches you up on stuff or whatever. But it's really, really hard for me to recommend that anybody Here's a, That's this. a great scene this, that we're talking with these two people in the Chinese restaurant. Because when characters talk in this game, everything else freezes. Yeah. And so I had frozen the wife in the background of that Chinese restaurant scene. I had just caught the the, the man, the, the 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 old man had taken like a like a, a sieve of noodles out of the pot and was waving that around while talking to me. And the and his wife, I just caught her holding the knife like right in front of her face. So she's talking. It's like it's like oh, you want to know about Chinese people? And like she's pointing the knife at real. I'm like, dude, I think you better get out of here. They're not happy about about your inquiries, sir. Um, so stuff like that happens a lot, yeah. um, but like, so I'm like, I'm not going to dissuade anyone if you've never played these and you look at this and you're interested or you're like a, you're like a gaming historian type and you want to see Experience. how it all began, yeah. but just, you know, buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, be it's ready a, to be really It's, it's going to be a bumpy night. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're running out of time. We got some more stuff to get to. Uh, let's talk about a delay for Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Iga's mm. Spiritual successor to the uh, Castlevania franchise after he left Konami, was fired from Konami. I'm starting to think it was fired at this point because the game was just delayed again into next year. I went and looked at his Kickstarter, Matt. This, that Kickstarter has made five and a half million dollars. Yeah. What do you imagine the budget was for Konami's handheld Castlevania games? I have no idea. I'm guessing it was that or less. Probably. <laughs> now, to be fair, this is way, it looks way better than any of those in terms of like Visually. visual quality, yeah. image quality. I mean, th those games were not 4K hand animated items. They were they were vastly less well, complex. Yeah, like 240p or whatever. Yeah. This, this doesn't shock me, really. If this was going to come out this year, I think it would have made it by now. Um, I think you don't want to put this out in the fall up against... It doesn't shock me at all, because it's been yeah. delayed like five times. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's acceptable. This it's... is insane, dude. That this game got delayed again, not just delayed all the way to the end, to next year. He wouldn't even give a date now. Yeah. And he canceled the Vita version. Who cares about that? But... Why? Well, I... I... 
I, I think even if it was coming out next week, they would have canceled the Vita version. Right. I mean, that's just over. Yeah, I don't even... He said that it was because Sony stopped manufacturing the system and stopped manufacturing cards, but it was just a smart business decision, mm-hmm. in all honesty, to not put it out for Vita, especially if it was going to make it even later. Right. But I'm starting to see now, like... You know, everybody hates Konami, but... A lot of the stuff Konami's done has been pretty smart, man. Like, I'm starting to see why Konami made the decisions that it made. Well, I don't think that's relevant to this, really. You don't? No. I you don't think Iga leaving there was... I, it... Well, I think he was told to leave. Right. Uh, but that was already in place because his Castlevanias were not breaking the bank every single time Right, and because out. he was taking forever to make them. But he wasn't taking forever to make them. Those games came out, like, almost once a year at one point. And the GBA they did. And on the DS, he got, he got, he got uh, Dawn of Sorrow and Portrait of Ruin and Order of Ecclesia. And then he did that Harmony of Despair thing, that multiplayer thing on Xbox Live Arcade. Like, he was putting stuff out constantly. I guess you're right. For some reason, I don't remember he all He got fired DS because games. that stuff didn't sell, and Konami decided 2D Castlevanias were a losing battle, and they switched to Lords of Shadow after that blew up. Yeah, that was... And then they ruined that because they made yeah. Mercury Steam Mercury Steam do a bunch of shit on a ridiculous schedule and then the guy who runs Mercury Steam seemed a little weird to begin with. And then they made me be, do stealth as a rat and th- no one wants that. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I mean, I think part of it might, the, the delays on this might be the fact, you know, I think you were running into a, you know, people are making, drawing parallels with Mighty Number no. 9, but I think there is a parallel there in the sense that you've got these two major, you know, creative directors or game directors well, I mean, there's a whole other thing about whether uh, Inafune even knew how to direct a game or whatever. That's, that's a whole separate can of worms. But I think if you're used to working in kind of a studio environment where, like, kind of the, the, the logistics are provided by the larger company that kind of owns the place, and now you're pushed into sort of an indie situation, I think the organizational structure is a very difficult thing to get used to, and that is contributing in large part to how long some of this stuff takes because they don't know how to do that part. You know, I would not know how, you know, I mean, I produced stuff constantly under G4, but I wouldn't know how to line produce something from, like, a VP standpoint. Right. Like, it's, a, it's a whole different job. I wonder if, when you talk about crowdfunding, because it's one of the most successfully crowdfunded games ever, probably top ten as far as generating money. I don't money. know about that. Really? Five and a half million? I mean, we're, that's in a, a lot. we're in a world where Star Citizen made 175 million. Well, that's number I mean, one. I mean, obviously. But, it's like, number you, one you've got tons of stuff up way, way up into the double, triple digits in some cases. I think it's if probably... You're not, if you're only counting Kickstarter campaigns, maybe, but, like, I don't... I don't this is... This is mid-range for stuff like that to some degree. Like I don't know. It's high profile. But Most Kickstarter games ask for a hundred grand or less. Nowadays, but back when this got kickstarted, and that is a back when, believe yeah. me, this was it the hey- back then. This was the heyday of stuff like that. Yeah. Five and a half million dollars. I wonder if when you crowdfund something, first of all, I think if you're crowdfunding and you end up with like five and a half million dollars, maybe it should have been crowdfunded in the first place. You probably should be able to find a publisher that would be willing to publish the game. Well, not until you prove that that's how many people are willing to buy it. That's whole. That's I the guess. whole problem. I mean, that's different now that the Kickstarter thing proved that kind of thing. But back then, it was that was kind of the, the Mighty Number no. Nine thing too. It was like Capcom didn't think there was any market for a two D Mega Man game, and then they made all this money on the Kickstarter thing, proving that that was there. And all of a sudden, Capcom now they're making, making a two D Mega Man game. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, you know, and putting out the legacy collections and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean. That, that was a, there was a real resistance to that kind of thing for a long time. I'm just wondering and like, if the more money I will you say make this. on Kickstarter, the more likely it is that the, that, that product is going to end up getting delayed. 
Because I feel like well, I think everything if you have a small delayed. team and you have all that money and that security, suddenly you're not in all that much of a hurry to get it done and move on to something else. See, you don't have that money and that security, though, because like, there's no way this game only costs $5 million. Really? The biggest, well, because the biggest expense in development is paying the developers. Right. And you're going to delay this a whole other year? They've got funding from somewhere else as well. Like Kick I'm it, sure. I mean, that's the point of Kickstarter. It's a Kickstarter. It's not completely funder, you know? And um, so I'm, I'm sure that costs more than that because to keep these developers, development team on full this time. This game for should this not long, cost yeah. more than five and a half million dollars. In the theory, way. it should not. It shouldn't even get close to that. Mm, but again, that shows me that like Ega is not doing a good job corralling this project. He's not doing a good job leading the project. If the game's good, I don't give a shit. Like that's all I ask. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how much it costs. If I like the game and it comes out and it's it's like Castlevania never left. I'm good. But and, not everyone is like you, though. You can give money and not care about it. you just like, hey, if this comes back to me and something that I love, that's cool. That's the, There's a lot that's of people the, that give money to these, though, that literally make a sacrifice to, to contribute the money. Well, that's, I mean, that's their error, then. It because, is, because but Kickstar that doesn't make them any happier. I don't care. Like, Kickstarter is, you're throwing money in a hole and hoping something pops out of it in a year or two. Like, or three, or four, or in the case of Star Citizen, before you I die. I think that's your perspective um, on it. No, though. that's what crowdfunding is. Like it's it's a Again, donation. Again, I think it's your perspective on crowdfunding. Well, my perspective is correct because it's a you're not it's the a donation. person who goes to the Kickstarter page and freaks out and posts like angry like no. five thousand word tirades. But there are a lot of people that do. Okay. If you go to the Kickstarter page, sucks for, to be them. But listen, Matt, if you go to the Kickstarter page for this game, there are fifty thousand comments 50,000 comments from users who were like what the hell is going on with this game that's that's not a whole lot You're, in comparison to some of the freakouts like go to mighty number no. nine i bet there's three times that I, I i remember going and looking at his page and i think the vitriol of the mighty number no. nine page is more severe it, but I think the quantity might be bigger on uh, nah, Bloodstone. No, nah, there was more on, on my number. I mean, they might catch up if this comes out and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. remember, that's that's the, the volume Probably of Mighty 20, Number 9. Probably 20,000 of the comments came from after Mighty Number no. 9 came out and people went to rage or mm -hmm. whatever. Well, I think Mighty Number no. 9 uh, did hurt uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter, the perception Absolutely. of kickstarting video games, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this is just one of those things. I didn't expect it really to come out this year. When, when they announced it was delayed to next year, I was like, it wasn't? Like I expected I it to come out last year after expecting it to come out within a year from when the Kickstarter started. It's a Kickstarter. Well, also, that's the thing. It's like the Kickstarter thing gives you a distorted view of how long this stuff takes because most of this stuff, most game development, we don't even hear about it till it's been three years in development. Like it's, you yeah. know, But you're talking about like big AAA stuff. This is just a 2D side-scroller. Indie like, stuff takes, a for, takes for fucking ever if you don't... It depends don't, on the size if, of if your If you're team. starting up, if you, you know, like some of these indie games have taken, you know, six, seven years. Like... It's you know no problem, and when it's not even kickstarted or it's just a thing that they're working on. Like what? How about that? That's usually the, games where they're floating the bill though. They're their somewhat. own budget, and that might be happening here too. Because you know if you're if you're hiring all these people to do a game on this scale, an HD, 2D animated Castlevania game. Well, it's 4K, like, right? It's not yeah. just HD. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's you still, a big expense. You still you create the 4K art. It's like once it's done, it's done. But. Until you got to redo it because something changed, and then you got to do it. Or Ega doesn't like it. That's also possible. But like it's, I mean, I, I think this project is flying off the rails, and I and Ega is responsible for it. He's the leader of the team. I don't know. 
Like it, it could end up coming out and being great. It comes. It's only but... off the rails if it never comes out. <laughs> like I don't care. That's a bumper sticker for like, you right there. Because, because <laughs> I, you know I don't. I haven't backed a whole lot of stuff that didn't come out. I mean I think the yeah. only prominent. I mean I've got a couple things that are still in limbo. I've got one thing that I backed in 2011 that's still not out, but they still swear they're doing it. And I'm like sure. And like it, it, I mean it was a small thing. It was like it was like a. I think I think they asked for like ten thousand and got like fifteen thousand. It was like a weird little RPG right, thing, right. and it it was supposed to be out in twenty thirteen. And periodically they still post like, oh, we 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 got an artist, and like people in the comments are just like, you know, it's not fifty thousand comments because yeah, not yeah. that many people backed it, but right. it's like people are like, uh huh. <laughs> like, like it's not it's not even anger anymore. It's just yeah, like they're cynicism. just like, oh, my money's gone. Like, um, the only the only major thing I think I backed, and it was really I think I only put ten bucks in because I just wanted to be able to read the drama. Because um, I knew it was never gonna work, uh, was Clang. Uh, yeah, remember, remember that, that. With Neil Stevenson, yeah. like back, like the realistic sword fighting Wii controller motion control thing. And then they like, yeah, they basically shat out like a, a terrible alpha a 3D and said, printed. "No, that's all I said. All we said you, we were gonna do yeah. like it was like a little, little thing that doesn't even work." Thanks and, for the money. Bye. And I go, oh, it's not, I guess it's not gonna work out. And it's just like, uh, okay. But everything else I've ever Gosh, backed has has come to fruition with the exception of star citizen and you know obviously stuff i've in the last couple of years like uh pray for the gods which is still listed with a coming this year thing that's which not I'm like, happening uh-huh, sure yeah, that's not happening but that's the thing with kickstarter it's like if you know and i think kickstarter in large part people who do kickstarter stuff now for video games anyway i feel like i feel like i've backed some board games and some stuff like that and comic books that were way more timely uh, and hit their hit their their estimated delivery dates way better. But for video games, like I've said before, like you aren't late on a Kickstarter delivery for a video game, in my opinion, unless you're, until you're a year after the estimated delivery date on your campaign, because that's just how development. I would definitely goes. give more leeway to game development. And um, without a doubt. And funny <clears throat> funny story though, Mighty Number no. Nine only missed its estimated delivery date by nine months. Really. It didn't even. It wasn't. So in my in my uh, rule book, it wasn't even it late. Wasn't even late. And it still sucked. <laughs> yep. So we, you never late. know. All right, we got to wrap this up. We got. I got to go with Miyamoto. Go. Go, delay it till it's good. <clears throat> Unless you run out of money and then you have to cancel it and then everybody stares at you for the rest of your life. Well, I don't. I don't Kickstarter back anything. I backed one game. It was for Joe Fielder, who gave me my first job in the industry. Otherwise, I don't back it because. It's, I just feel like it's kind of a conflict of interest if I'm going to talk about the stuff. So. Also, you're throwing money in a hole and you don't know if you're ever going to get Yeah. I mean, I still have backed a couple of comic book projects, usually from people I know. Like, yeah. um, But I haven't backed a video game in... You're not alone. Pray for the Gods is probably the last one. Yeah, Kickstarter's game stuff is way, way down. The money being spent isn't way down, but the total number of projects mm-hmm. is like falling through the floor. Which is why the yeah. money hasn't changed. Well, also because fewer projects they're putting the same money. Well, also because I feel like 2011, 2012 was where like the you know that all blew up yeah. on the back of Broken Age, and part of it was because people saw an opportunity in a way to get these games that these genres and types of games that weren't being made anymore <coughs> to be made. And There's now, a way to get a game you knew you were never going to get. Right. Shenmue, perfect Shenmue, example. But yeah. now, like even, especially in the way, I mean, Shenmue might have been the last big example of that. Where yeah. Now all these games that used to be in a genre or a, a subtype that used to be something that would never ever get made in the industry, now the industry recognizes that there's audiences for these things, and like you don't really need Kickstarter to get that yeah. st- that, that fix anymore. You know, yeah. well, you can always just put your money towards. There's some a new real there's a real possibility. I'm not saying it's a big possibility, but there's a real possibility that Shenmue Three sells well enough that they might get funding for Shenmue Four without having to go crowdfunded. 
Don't you think that they should just give the crowdfunded money back, though, instead? No, because that's not how this works. Why not, though? Because it's a donation. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if you're going to do you the want... honorable thing, it's like... That's not the deal, though. Like, you don't, you don't have to pay anybody back. It's not an investment. It's not I a I know loan. it's not the contract you sign, but you were given all this free money, and you parlayed that into riches. It's like, why not give the money back? I don't back? think anybody behind Shenmue 3 is going to get rich off it. Um, well, if Shenmue 4 and Shenmue 5, or if it... Who knows? Well, but... at that point, I think maybe you give Shenmue 4 free to backers of Shenmue 3, there you maybe. Go. That's cool. But, like, that's about as... I don't think this, I don't think Kickstarter's machinery is in place to refund everybody yeah. through outside funding for a second game. Like, that doesn't, doesn't really add up. Um, I mean, if you, want, if you demand a return on this kind of thing, then go get approved as an investor in FIG. FIG, yeah. Which apparently is a pretty lucrative... It is. Situation Everybody if you pick the right project. Everybody has like yeah. tripled their money. Yeah, so it's going pretty good. You might want to look into that, but you have to go through all of the paperwork and certify that you're worthy to be a part of Fig. It's not like Kickstarter yeah, where you can I, just do it. I mean, look, I paid my money into the Shenmue thing, and I'm getting a copy of Shenmue 3, and that's all I put out to what I bought. Yeah, that's fine. I, as long as you don't go in for the crazy 250 things like blah, 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 blah. Now, To be fair, I would have probably... If, if it hadn't been gone by the time we finished our press conference live stream I probably would have gone for that one that gave you Rio's jacket <laughs> but it was gone by the time yeah. by the time we were done alright we gotta move on we're running out of time our last topic of the episode is related to Battlefield 5 and it came out from financial analysts this week that pre-orders for Battlefield 5 are doing terrible um, how do you feel about that the analysts are saying that it could become a Titanfall 2 mm. because it's launching right in between Black Ops 4 and Red Dead 2, both of which are doing far better in pre-orders than Battlefield 5. So two questions. First one is, why do you think it's doing so bad with pre-orders? And the second question is, what can they do to fix it? Um, I think it's doing badly because it's still just another World War II game to some degree. I think... Do you think people have already burnt out on going back to World War One and World War II? I don't think COD WW2 did them any favors. Yeah. Because well, it's certainly now when I think, oh, World War II shooter, I think of last year's COD and it just deflates all my yeah, hype yeah. for it. Um, yeah. I don't believe that this is like related to, you know, the whole like get women out of my battlefield game nonsense. I don't think there's enough people that freaked out about that to make a dent in what you'd expect pre-orders to be. But I will also say that I haven't pre-ordered it because I just don't see the point. Yeah. Like and and the other thing of course is part of my thing here is I'm kind of waiting until we get closer to the release dates to decide which of these games I jump in on, you know? Like, I haven't seen the Battle Royale mode for this. I haven't seen the Battle Royale mode for Call, for Call of Duty Black Ops 4. They've only shown um, glimpses of We haven't seen any of that stuff. Uh, I don't even know which platform I might buy this on, because, like, performance well, might be Well, 1X, right? Probably, but who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, maybe PC, but then maybe the PC version won't be all that different looking if you don't have the RTX cards or whatever. You know, I, yeah. you know I've, I've, and 
let's also not forget we don't know tons about what the campaign is or how long that's going to be or how much meat is on that. Well, battlefield um, campaigns typically are abysmal, so yeah. I would not put any stock in that whatsoever. That's true. I would not count on that being something that's going to sell you the game. And I think more and more, you know, especially in this games-as-a-service era, you're looking at, like, this is the game I play, and this is what I'm going to continue playing, and, like, I know that's never going to be Battlefield. As much as I prefer Battlefield to COD to the most, for the most part, like, it's just not a thing I stick with. And I already have Battlefield 1 if I want to play some some Battlefield multiplayer. I already have Battlefront 2. Yeah. Which was just on sale for $9 this week. Do you think that Battlefront 2 might be part of the reason why people are shying away from this? Maybe. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, not to not to completely equate them, but it's it's kind of the same game in some ways. Like if you already have Battlefront 2, like unless you're really married to the idea of playing a World War 2 game, why would you buy this? They even kind of look the same in yeah. some way. Like, you know, the Frostbite 2 engine kind of gives that same yeah. sheen. To You're right. And I just think, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's just, it's just not much of interest here. So um, what do you think can turn it around? Nothing? Nothing. What are you going to do? I mean, they picked the release date. They're stuck between... Better pre-order incentives, maybe? But what would that be? I don't know. Give you a real gun? <laughs> <laughs> That would boost the sales in America. True. <laughs> Here's an AK with each copy of Battlefield. Or maybe just give it away, give a give a pre-order away with the sale of every M- MR uh, AR-15. Yeah. <laughs> or what about removing women from the game and then wiping yeah. this trailer from the face of the earth? I guess. I yeah, mean, I, I'm you, with you. I don't think you that get has a, you get about three thousand more customers doing that. Right. Maybe. Yeah, I really think it's just a vocal minority complaining about that. I don't think that's really the root mm-hmm. of the problem here. I also think part of it is like uh, they haven't really promoted it to the mainstream yet. No, they haven't. Um, obviously, the pre-order thing is like I, they must be comparing similar tracking numbers for whatever. Um, but I just feel like Battlefield Five has not penetrated. Uh, outside of the, the core demographic at this point, and even without the controversy over uh, over women being in a video game, um, <laughs> which is so absurd, I just don't think there's much here that looks like something you haven't already done. Yeah, as as exciting as they want to make this look, it's just Battlefield again. I think I think I go back to the point that you made that what's really all that different about this versus Battlefield One. Yeah. And see, here's the thing, too, is that... You and know, I know it's very different in terms of, you know... Oh, yeah, Historians will tell me I'm insane. Yeah. Like, and I get that. There are but it's not like, a million things But it's not like the planes in Battlefield 1 are going to be, like, totally different from these right. planes. You know, exactly. It's, it's just, you're still yeah, the doing the same thing. The technology that you're using is still basically the same. Also, like, they fudged Battlefield 1 a little bit to the point that you they still had equivalents of yeah. everything you'd expect in a World War II game. Right, But yeah. just from, like, a World War One tech standpoint. Right, right. Um, and matter of fact, when I, I watched, um, God, I watched, I don't know if it was B-roll you used here or it was a YouTube video I watched talking about Battle, Battlefield 5, but he was using Battlefield 1 B-roll and I didn't realize it until he pointed it out like five minutes into the game. Yeah. I'm like, at first I was like, wow, this looks a lot like Battlefield 1. <laughs> if I was like, oh, and by the way, this is Battlefield 1 footage. I don't have any footage. I'm like. Oh, it was like <laughs> a YouTube. It took a while, it was yeah. a YouTube guy who'd gone to like one of the one of the events or something. Was uh-huh. just came back to give impressions. I was listening to it, and I did not realize the footage was not from the new game until he told me. So, what do you think that this spells doom for EA? 
putting out a Battlefield every year? Um, well, they haven't been. But um, PAX seems to think that that is the plan. To do Battlefield every year? Yeah. Oh, my God. Because like now they won't be doing Battlefront? That. Because well, he, been, thinks, he thinks been, Respawn eventually is going to take over at least one of the off years for Battlefield. Because, obviously, the mm -hmm. pedigree with the people who are working there from Infinity War. I just don't feel like there's a demand for that. I mean, I feel it like... It doesn't appear that way. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're... Even before we knew this, I feel yeah. like that was that's overkill. Um, I mean, I would say to some degree the same about COD. Like, yeah. you've got certain... At a certain point, you have to think, like, well, maybe we should just stop trying to come up with a new COD every year and just put out the stuff that sells. Yeah. Which I think seems to be... Battle, Black Ops 4 kind of what's happening. step one yeah. in <laughs> it that is, plan. Yeah. It's the first step in um, that direction. Maybe that's the next thing to do with Battlefield is sort of just make a... make Just have the next one be called... Battlefield, right? And make a platform. That's the platform from yeah. now on. And every year you put out some kind of pack that is thirty bucks a, or whatever. thirty bucks, and it's a different war every time or something. You know, yeah. like maybe that that might be the only way we're ever going to see another future one. You may be right because I enjoyed that one. Yeah, twenty one forty nine. Yep, but didn't sell, so you're never going to see that again. Yep, that's the way it goes. <laughs> and frankly, at this point, EA is probably just terrified of mechs. Yeah, yeah. After Titanfall <laughs> and everything. <laughs> So, do you think that this game at this point is just not going to do that great? I don't think... I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I think if you're trapped between all these other releases, that's a possibility, especially if pre-orders are down already. Um, I mean, I think... That's I, a tough I, one, I think though. when you started this whole this subject, you said, like, you know, there's a possibility it could be a Titanfall 2 situation. And that doesn't look super unlikely at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's again, it's not a comment on the game. Titanfall 2 was great. It was. Yeah. But like... Still is. If you don't capture that zeitgeist, if you don't capture the attention of that mainstream audience, if, you're, if you really think you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the 800-pound gorilla that is COD, and it still is, it whether is, you play yeah. it or not, um, you know, Titanfall 2 found out the hard, the hard way. And uh, Battlefield Five might be about to find out the same thing. It's like un it's launching uncomfortably close to where Titanfall did too. It's also know? EA again. Yeah, <laughs> but you're trapped. You're gonna get the double slap. But it's also doing the same thing Titanfall. I mean, EA was one half of the sandwich before because it was right. Battlefield One right. and uh, COD. Yeah. Now they're not. Now it's uh, COD and Red Dead. Yeah. And that is a bad that's window a, that's to be a, in. That's man. a tough. That's a tough row to hoe. <laughs> you know, say. EA was pretty unhappy when they found out the release date for Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. They're like, what do we do? You can only get so far away from it, right? And there's no... I mean, yeah, it's like you say, what can, what can we do to improve? Sometimes, sometimes even if you see what your opponent is doing in chess, you're still going to lose. You're still powerless to stop yeah. it. Yeah. You, 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 it doesn't mean you have a way out. Yeah. And I think you might be in that situation with Battlefield Five right now. Like, that's where it's going to come out. It's where it's got to come out. Your only other option would be to like push it to like December. Maybe like, it ends up being late. a game that has legs that people may, maybe don't buy it that first week. Maybe. But after they get like their gift cards for Christmas or whatever, and then they're shopping the first week of January, that's something they pick up. Maybe. Maybe I maybe just, just gruntled blops four players. I feel like it's just so. If you look at your average person's yeah, it doesn't work that collection, way. <laughs> it's just. You already have four things like it, you yeah. know? It's not, and, and people talk about, you know, I was, you know, people like the redemption of a game that doesn't launch strongly, like in, in a No Man's Sky situation or something. Obviously, this would not probably be the same thing where No Man's Sky was more or less, you know, ex, an expectation problem. But the other, you know, people have, oh, ex, No Man's Sky came back. 
you know, the patches bring people back on Steam, and the patch on this one has gone crazy, and everybody's like saying it's But one of the reasons No Man's Sky can do that is because the premise is interesting and attractive to people. Like, there's nothing quite like it. That's and, not the case here. <laughs> and definitely not, you know, like, how do you get, you know, how do you get people to look twice at this World War II shooter? Yeah. You know, and even well, though it's pretty... Working with NVIDIA on the announcement of RTX was good. It was good, but who's going to have that card? Right. Yeah, it's, it, it's a good idea that doesn't actually pay dividends, basically. Right. Yep. We got to go. We got to go to our trailer of the week. We're right up against it. Um, as you guys know, this is the time for you guys to get your questions into our chat, and we'll answer them when we get back. Our trailer of the week this week is for Life is Strange 2. We mm-hmm. talked about Don't Nod earlier. Uh, Life is Strange is really the franchise it built its name on. Yeah. It went from obscure indie developer to, oh my God, they're turning into like a major developer. In and the it span even of survived like three a, years. Even survived a weird prequel by another team. Another team. That didn't even use Ashley Birch. Yeah, so. exactly. So Well, she helped, but... It, it, that was a potential franchise killer if the, before the storm went wrong. And, yeah. I, and I, they seem like they're going to come out of it okay. Yep. So Life is Strange 2 is going to be five episodes. First episode hits September 27th. Yeah. So just about a month away from now. If you got to play the first episode of this, let's roll it. I have no idea where we are. Feels like we're walking nowhere. I don't think Daniel understands what's going on. I can't tell him the truth now. I just can't. How am I supposed to take care of us out here? Nothing we can't do. As long as we're together. I've struggled to find any connection between that and the prior game. Like art style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the same universe, but no familiar faces, really. It just looks like it's just in name only in the same town. That's how you do an anthology. Now you're right. <laughs> Self-contained, like you said. All right, let's get to questions because we are running over, if that's even possible, when you do a three-hour show. Uh, we want to get some questions in here before we got to go. Um, as always, as Sifted Games helps us, helps us pluck them out. Uh, Super Court on Blue. Matter, what, what are your thoughts on Polymega? I'm sure you've seen it, but it's the console that can take SNES, NES, Genesis, blah, 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 cartridges, discs, etc., and dump them onto the console I played it at E3 and loved it. Um, well, I've never, I haven't used it. Uh, my main question would be how good the sound is, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's um, a big sticking point. Um, but also, like, I have all the old systems. I have so many, like, retro collections. I have the Super NES Mini and the NES. I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Retron 7 or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm good on the, on the old school system playing. Like I don't, I don't need any more. I'll keep an eye on it. PC Engine would be. T- I'll tell you what I like is a way to play t- Turbo Graphics CD games. 
again because I, I, my old TurboGrafx CD doesn't seem to work anymore. I don't even know where mine is. Well, for a while, I lost the little chip, the, the little, the little uh, yeah. card you have to put in to make it realize you want to use the CD. Yep. And then I finally found it and plugged it in, and it won't even do anything. I am shocked that you found so, that. I found it when my mom <laughs> moved from her old house. It was in one of the boxes. We wow. I'm like, aha, and I took it home, and I said, no, nah, it still doesn't work. <laughs> so I would like a way to play uh, TurboGrafx CD games and PC Engine CD games that did not involve me tracking down a Super Graphics or a Turbo Duo somewhere. Yeah. Uh, here's from W. Matthew. As always, we answer one of his questions. I was listening to the Giant Bombcast in regards to, in regards to Battlefield Five low pre-orders and just said he thinks the era of $60 multiplayer first-person shooters is over. Given Fortnite being free, PUBG 30 bucks, Overwatch 40 bucks, etc., I tend to agree a $60 multiplayer FPS will just fail. COD is on a downward trend. What are your guys' take? That's a good point. I think I agree with him. To some degree, I think, uh, yeah, like if you don't care about the campaign, why would you want to pay for it? Yeah. And the, the whole and, world's going a la carte. It's yeah. like I'm getting ready to drop Directv right now. It's like signing up for services now with that stuff yeah. that you don't want. And you're paying for stuff you don't want. Those that is going the way of the dodo in general yeah. in our society. Well, unless you're on Twitch, in which case you're about to have to watch ads again. Right. Yeah. Hey, remember remember the reason you stopped paying for cable? Let's remind you of that. <laughs> yeah. Good work. Good I'm work, just man. glad they didn't take away the free Twitch Prime subs. Yeah. I was had a heart attack when I saw that email. I was like, oh no, they're gonna take it away. But it, now you just have to watch ads if you're on Twitch Prime, which. I don't know. I think it's only a matter of time until the free subs go away, too, but hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, JRevic7, if PUBG could go back in time, uh, the, the creator of PUBG, I'm assuming, Brendan Green, could go back in time, do you think he makes the time exclusive deal with Microsoft, even with the knowledge that it would sell 8 million plus in eight months due to the huge advantage this opened for Fortnite on PlayStation being unopen, unopposed and free? I don't know. I think he's already made more money than he ever could have fathomed he would make. I think he's already made more money than he will ever spend or any of his ancestors will ever spend. I don't think he regrets (laughs) anything. If his ancestors are spending the money, there's a whole different story there. (laughs) Well, he's going to die eventually. Well, ancestors are... Oh, right. That's the other way. It means ghosts of his family are coming and asking for money, (laughs) which is a great story premise. (laughs) Here we go. But, um... Yeah. Uh, I don't I think do, he regrets I, anything. I, no, I, I think he probably sells the company at, before the Fortnite mania happens. Yeah, maybe. Um, and just gets the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure he's fine with how it turns yeah, out. Yeah, I think he's A-OK. <laughs> it's more of a maximizing the profit thing at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yes, it's, uh, I, think, um, I think the people who tend to be greedy are the people who already have a lot of money. When you're someone who doesn't have any money and you get a huge windfall of it, you're usually just like, okay, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. You're not going to be the person who's like trying to scratch out that extra penny. Majora Tom 91 says, Matt, what do you think will come next from FromSoftware after, after Sekiro? Bloodborne 2, Dark Souls 4, or another Armored Core game? I will say another Armored Core game because the other two are never happening. Especially Bloodborne 2. Bloodborne 2 is never going to happen. Sony would have to step up and say let's do that and that's not going to be a thing they would have by now i think here's one from congrim one and i'm just going to cut out the explanation and just get right to his question are there any doubts of red dead redemption 2 not being the best-selling game this year 
I, I don't see what could beat it. COD, that's it. I don't think COD's going to do it. If there's a game that can do it, it's if there COD. If there was, that would, would have been it, but COD is not... Also not tracking it's not, as well. Yeah. I mean, Battlefield Five is tracking very way bad, lower than that. Yeah. But COD is not performing at COD levels. So yeah. I think Red Dead is uh, Red Dead's your winner. Are there any wait? So are there any games from earlier in the year? I mean, you have Monster Hunter World. That's Monst- a ten million. Monster Hunter World and uh, God of War also crossed ten million. Um, Do you think Red Dead will sell ten million in like a month and a half? Cross all platforms, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it'll so. be close. Yeah, be, yeah. I'm not saying it'll blow everybody out of the water. Because the first Red Dead has only sold what fifteen million life to date. Yeah, but this is a different. Thing. It is like the hype for this is beyond anything Red Dead One ever had. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it'll be close. I think, I think it'll be to sell by there. the end of the year. If you said lifetime, I think no question. Yeah, right? and but I, if you're saying by the end of the year, Red Dead doesn't have a lot of time to catch up with the other games. God of War had 10 million by the end of May. I it mean, did. It, I yeah. mean, God, Red Dead can do it, especially because it has multiple platforms. To answer your question, yes. I mean, it's going to be if you actually did it on like games sold per month basis, like nothing's going to touch Red Dead. Yeah, I mean, Spider Man. Spider Man's going to be up there. I don't know. The more I've seen of it, the more I'm not sure if Spider Man's like crazy sales in America are going to translate outside of America. Um, but we'll see. Game Baron Inc., what are your thoughts, expectations for expos and cons for the remainder of the year? We got PAX West coming up. Then we have the game. We have the Game Awards, PSX. I think that's pretty much it for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited for them. I don't know. I know PAX is usually just a smattering of indie things. I mean, this is the last big one, Gamescom, yeah. right now. This is the last gigantic we'll con. See, we'll see some but reveals. Game Awards getting there. I we'll mean, see some reveals. Yeah. Game Awards is rarely has a lot of meat on it, yeah. but it's usually just like announcements of here's a thing. New things. Which is though. cool. Yeah, new things. Uh, there's a lot of world premiere yep. and um, that kind of thing. So we'll see that. You know, it's like the Sekiro thing. Then. It's like, okay, we'll just here's a thing to speculate on for the next six damn months. Um, but in terms of like really meaty reveals, I think we're... We're, we're over the hump for the most part. Yep. We're starting to wrap up the year. Uh, Jared Bat, thank you very much for subscribing. Goose and Epps, thank you very much for subscribing, man. We really, really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Let's answer one more question. we got to get the heck yeah, out of here. People are mentioning TGS. Oh, TGS. How do we forget TGS? Because TGS is kind of irrelevant <laughs> that was, now. That was, a, yeah, that, was a re- <laughs> that was a facetious question. Yeah, nothing really happens at TGS. Although Nintendo is actually going to kind of be there this year. I think more just a court third parties and actually yeah. have a presence or whatever. But that's a good first step because Nintendo usually doesn't touch TGS with a 10-foot pole. So it would be good if Nintendo could get back to TGS. It might actually make it relevant again. Mm-hmm. Um, or if Nintendo were to do Space World again, that would be awesome. I like this one from Killzone310. Shane, why don't you wear the little alligator shirts from the IDW, IW days anymore? Um, I don't know. I don't why, do you, why do you hate IZOD? I don't hate Izod. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a weird question to ask, though. <laughs> I love this shirt, man. What's wrong with this shirt? Somebody's somebody's keeping track of your brands. Apparently, apparently. Someone's always paying attention, Mr. Mulder. Uh, one more. With Dishonor getting canned completely, is there a hope for stealth games? Except maybe, except for Hitman and Sticks. Yes, there are stealth games. There are stealth games getting announced all the time. There was what? just one announced today. What? Um, oh, it was last week. It was called uh, The Spy Who Shrunk Me. Hmm. 
And it's for VR. It's a stealth game for VR, which I think sounds like a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Think about really like bending down to hide behind something. That could really add yeah. a level of immersion. Um, we got to have a splinter cell on the horizon somewhere. Well, maybe he's, he's saying like big budget stealth games. Yeah. Because there are tons of indie stealth games. And big budget? I don't know, man. That's not a genre that plays well with the mainstream, in all honesty. People get impatient and like... But I still say Splinter Cell's coming. Yeah, I mean, it's the most mainstream stealth game, but even that franchise has kind of moved away from center there yeah. a little bit. Well, we'll but see. what, it, what If they make another one after all this time, it could be just about anything. It's true. Yeah, they could get rid of stealth altogether, or it could go back to the old shoot the light bulb. Like, mm-hmm. your foot is one pixel outside the shadow, your busted play of the first couple games. Yeah, but those, those kind of games, like the pure stealth stuff just doesn't seem to move the needle with uh, anyone outside of a very limited audience. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, I don't like them very much anyway, so it's not doesn't surprise me so much, but... Because like stealth games have a hard time figuring out how to make stealth gameplay fun in and of itself, and not just like normal gameplay, but slower. Yeah, I think that's what that's what Adam that's what Sessler always used to say. It's like the, a good stealth game figures out a way to make stealth the center of the gameplay for a good reason, as opposed to just like we're going to take what you'd normally do in an action game, but make you do it slower. That's which true. Is, which is a good <laughs> a good explanation. I, I always thought of like a bad stealth game is just like. Like if we if our mechanics allowed you to, you could just do all this at once. But instead, right. we're gonna make you sit here and wait. No, it's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. All right, we have to go. This is I think this is the longest episode we've ever done. Uh, I think we've gone longer. Maybe. We, there's been there was a there was an hour a three and a half hour one at one point. I yeah, think. I think you may be right. But anyway, you're getting your money's worth this week. We're trying to make up for uh, not having the show on Friday, so we're giving you a little bit of extra love. Couple things before I go. New T-shirts are coming. Um, they are being printed right now, and I should have them within about a week. Um, should I show, should I show you, you guys want to see the design before I have the shirts done? That might not be a bad idea. Yeah? Or do you guys want to wait until I have the shirts done and then see them? I, I mean, I would show the thing I want to sell people to people to make sure they want to buy the thing before I printed the thing. Well, they're already print, they're already being printed, so that's a moot point. Oh, well then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, maybe some people want to see them. What, what does chat say? You guys want to be surprised when you see the shirts or you want me to just show you the design? Very quickly in chat, we got to go, people. There's one, show them. Show. I assume you mean like later this week or something? Or? Yeah, like in, uh, yes. It looks like you, you guys want to see them. All right. So anyway, new shirts are coming. They're going to be freaking awesome. Uh, the best shirts we've ever made, in my opinion. And they were designed by a fellow sifter. Somebody amongst you uh, worked with me on the design. I came up with the concept sketch, and I <laughs> use that term very roughly, uh, for what I wanted, and he turned it into something amazing. So not only am I excited to show you guys the designs, I'm also excited to share with uh, with you guys who is very talented among you all. So. That's it for Game Face episode 138 here on Sifted. Next week, we might do it again on Tuesday because I'm leaving for Labor Day weekend to go home and see my mom Mm. for the first time since Christmas. Um, And I'm going to be gone for like a four-day weekend. So I'm trying, I'm just, I worked all through this past weekend. I'm going to work all through this weekend getting content ready so that there's stuff on the site while I'm gone. Um, and I would like to be able to do maybe Game Face on Tuesday of next week as well to get the show up because if we try to do it on Friday, I'll be gone already for Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. So 
We might be back here, same bat time, same bat place uh, next Tuesday night. But everybody, thank you for hanging out on a Tuesday night. I know it's not easy, especially folks in Europe, folks on the East Coast. You guys all rock. Game face is up and out. <laughs>